genre. Franchiseography, the podcast that digs deep into the entire filmographies of Hollywood's biggest film franchises. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Nick Jimenez. Today we're continuing our swing through the Spider-Man franchise with its first sequel and one of the best superhero movies ever made. It's 2004's Spider-Man 2. And just like last time, we're gonna we'll be cutting to uh past Scott and, and past Zach Luna. Um, to, to talk about the background and significance of this movie. But, uh, uh, Nick, where where were you <laughs> in the summer of 2004? Oh, boy. You know, I, I, you know, there's an argument to be made that the, that the summer of 2004 was, like, the most exciting, coolest summer of my whole life. Mm. Uh definitely a big benchmark or maybe that whole year um i just i mean of course like the the event of the summer was spider-man 2 mm-hmm. that was the most excited for a movie i have ever been to this day mm-hmm. um like i think you know like force awakens is up there infinity war endgame is up there but like that the, those were still compared to this right you know like and we'll get into the pop culture, but like this felt like the biggest movie in the world. Yeah. The summer that it came out. Um, this was also the summer that uh, Modest Mouse uh, released good news for people who love bad news. Yeah. It was it was a high it was a high point for for music this this summer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, later on in the later on in the autumn, I, 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 I found I discovered American Idiot and that. Yep just blew my whole world apart and uh halo 2 came out around thanksgiving (laughs) yeah that was huge it just yeah Yeah. everything felt really big and i I was also in eighth grade so like i was Mm -hmm. really susceptible to all of it but yeah like the the, this was the crown jewel of just this huge pop culture year for me as a kid yeah yeah because this is also the year of veronica mars right starting the year of um Lost starting. Yeah. Holy uh, shit. I can't believe uh, I forgot Lost. Yeah. Desperate Housewives started this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grey's Anatomy, still wow. on the air to this day, started this year. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Um, yeah. 2004 was a bonkers year for pop culture. It was, it was, uh, it's an underrated year for pop culture, I would say. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like maybe as we get older, it will start to tear, carry on the mythos that like old people have for like 1982. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that's it. I think that's one of the years, right? Uh, uh, yeah, that's definitely one that you see in like 80s 
period pieces a lot. It's like mm-hmm. 82. Oh, you know what else came out in 2004? Hot Fuss. Oh, the Killers. That's right. Mr. Brightside. Yes. yes All these things indeed. that I've done, Scott. Wow. Um, also, Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Man, this wow. is <laughs> quite, quite the pop, a year of pop culture. <laughs> yeah. Are we going to do a podcast just about 2004? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we will. Um, do you remember... But, uh, do you, do you have a similar? Do you do you remember where you were when this when this movie was coming out? Oh yeah, oh yeah. And again, uh, apologies to Spider-Man Minute listeners who may have already heard this story. But um, in in two thousand, so so right out of high school, I graduated in two thousand three. I got a mm-hmm. job. I like stumbled into a movie theater that was being built in my down in the downtown mall that was going to be like an art house thing and i was right. so excited yeah, yeah. and i one day the the front door was wide open and so i just like walk in and i'm like looking around and i'm like wow i can't believe this this is gonna be so cool and this older guy this like short older guy kind of um kind of like a mellow brian cox is how i would describe this guy oh, okay um yeah. came came sort of like walking up and uh, his name was Ron, and he was like, "Hey, uh, what are you? What are you doing here?" <laughs> and I was like, "Sorry, the door was open. I'm just like really excited about this this movie theater. Uh, let me know if you're like hiring or anything, because I would I would love to get like a like a part time job here or something like that." And he was like, "What about a full time job?" And I was like, "I mean, I'll I'll take a full time job." And he was like, "You ever want to be a theater manager?" And I was like, "Maybe." And he was he was like. You got the job. And so he just hired me there on the spot. Me just like some 18-year-old kid just wandered in. Now, when I was 18, this was the most exciting thing ever. I'm going to work in a movie theater. Like that's that's so exciting. It was like a little two-screener movie theater. But looking back, I'm like, oh, he hired an 18-year-old because he couldn't afford to pay an actual manager (laughs) what it would cost to actually be a manager to manage a theater. Right, Um, yeah. Yeah. So so this this place uh started out it was a for profit art house theater. Um my t- my city Columbus Indiana uh he, they went to the owner of of this theater in Indianapolis and they were like, "Hey, we love your theater. We would love if you opened one in Columbus." So they like helped him out and like, you know, negotiated and got him to open up this this theater. So that's what he was doing there. Well, pretty quickly Columbus presented itself as like not an art house crowd. Sure, sure. Um, and it went under like within a year. Um, and I lost my job. So I was just at the be- it was like May of two thousand four. Um, I was told that like it's shutting down, you don't have a job anymore. Ron's like, I'll take care of everything else. I'm so sorry. Move on with your life. Yeah. So my summer of two thousand four was me trying to figure out what the next step in my life was um, because I wasn't going to college. I wouldn't go to college until my mid-20s um, for uh, a variety of personal reasons. Mm-hmm. But um, when – so I'm I'm 19 and I don't know what I'm doing and I'm living with my girlfriend uh, and, you know, she doesn't have a great job. She works at Target. I'm – trying to find another job to fill this in. So I get a job at Pizza Hut and I get a job at an Italian restaurant as a busboy. 
Um, and I'm working both of these jobs over the course of the summer. Eventually, I would get a full-time job at like a, at a factory. Um, but that was like the end of the summer. So during this summer of Spider-Man 2, I was working at an Italian restaurant as a busser and at a pizza hut making pizzas. Not delivering them, but making them. Um, and uh, yeah, that was my that was my summer. And the only thing that sort of like kept me positive was that this that Spider-Man 2 was going to come out this this summer cuz I was like I was miserable. I lost what I thought was my dream job like at 18, you know. Um and uh and and was working, you know, two food service jobs that you know, didn't didn't pay well. Neither of them were full-time, you know. They were both like you're you, you'll get 18 hours and you're lucky to get it, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, those kinds of jobs, but uh yeah, so my 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 uh, 2004 was struggling. I remember too. Every time I opened at the um, at the restaurant because they wouldn't let you at Pizza Hut, but the restaurant I would open, and so I'd have to like set up everything and like help everybody like set up their stations and then like you know clean the the din- like vacuum the dining room and like all that stuff, um, prep things, you know, uh, wrap silverware and uh, napkins. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, all that stuff. Um, while I was doing that, I was listening exclusively to the soundtrack to Spider-Man two and, uh, the cure self-titled album. Um, those were like the two (laughs) things that was like my summer of 2004 where like the new cure album and the soundtrack to Spider-Man two. And I just listened to both of those constantly. Um, so yeah, those are my, that was my summer. Once again, you know, much like last week, like my, my heart aches for my friend, you know, this younger version of my friend that was going through it, yeah, not knowing what was waiting for him, you know, on the <laughs> other side of that. But sure. also like, those are like, like strong, strong Peter Parker vibes. Yes. Yeah. Like, and the, like, I, I, I can't imagine a person more primed and emotionally and spiritually yeah. to be to, to sit down in the theater and watch what you're what you were then going through as a young man projected onto a movie screen on like a mythic level yeah yeah you know, so what was that finally like when when you sat down and saw it for the first time i mean it was it, it, you know it's that thing that we always talk about and and i'm sure we'll get into it a little bit later but like you know that thing where the revisiting of 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 a set of characters is always like so exciting if the sequel's done right you know right yeah because you're like oh my god like i'm I'm visiting my friends again we talked about on the show previously scream 2 big time Mm -hmm. has those vibes i will say i don't think scream 6 does scream 6 misses out on those vibes to me and i think a large part of the reasoning for that is that none of the characters are treated larger than life where their like mm. introductions are like, you've been waiting. Here they are. Yeah. You know, Dewey, he's back. Yeah, bitches. Dewey, Dewey's back. Like, <laughs> oh, there's Gale. Like that's what Scream Two feels like, and that's what mm-hmm. Spider Man Two feels like. Yeah, um, no, that, that that's a good you know because like I was I thought I thought I was gonna say because everyone in Scream Six is a little asshole. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, because they're in, they uh, don't get they're in all their introductions are super low key. Yeah, yeah, and and like that made me think of okay, listeners. Again, there will in a few weeks, and like you know, three, four weeks, 
there will there will be a day where Scott and I will be very very complimentary and have lots of nice things to say about the John Watts Homecoming trilogy and how full of wit and creativity and heart and humor those movies are. Today is not that day. (laughs) No, (laughs) because it. it, I, I I think this feels like the biggest movie in the world. Yes. Sam Raimi just has a way of making every movie he makes feels feel like the biggest, most important, best, biggest movie to happen ever. And aren't you lucky to have a ticket to Dreamtown? Yeah, because he's not he's not making a movie. He's making a picture. He's making a this picture. This is a Sam Raimi picture. Like, yeah. And and that means something. That's like you know, I um, you you know the all the kids are gonna come down to the movie house and they're gonna see the craziest story they've ever experienced. Like that's that's like you know he is. I think it feels like every second of the movie he's selling the movie to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's just like a a bigness to it, and like like yeah, this feels like an event the whole time you're watching it. Yeah. Um. And yeah, and I think you know to. By design, I think a lot of the MCU, and we, we've said this last week, but it's like they're focused on like bringing it into reality and like tethering it to our world and making it feel more real. And that works in some cases, but like, yeah, you you lose out on this like this mythic larger than life scale. And to, to be hit when you're a young person watching this movie. Mm-hmm. At the time of its release, it like it feels as it looks as big as it feels in your heart. Yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah. I mean, I just remember being like absolutely, completely taken in and bowled over by this movie. Like, just yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, just just completely. And I still am every time I watch it. Um, the thing mm-hmm. that like, and and we'll, I'm sure, like we'll talk about this as we go through it, but like. I was watching this movie just thinking, like, how did they get away with, like, what this movie is? Like, there's a there's a huge stretch in there's multiple huge stretches where Spider-Man is not in this at all. No. You know, and you don't even Um, think about it. No, you don't even think about it because you're just like watching the movie. It was like you would never be able to get like my my question is if somebody made something like akin to Spider-Man 2 today. Mm-hmm. Would people really embrace it or would they think it's trash? You know? So my so of course it's easy. It would, you know, my you know, it's like, oh, like they would think it was cheesy, they would think it was trash because like look at Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness. Sure. But, but but that's a that's a little bit like a chocolate in my peanut butter kind of thing. That is a little bit. It is a little bit yeah. chocolate in my peanut butter. It's like, why are yeah. they acting like this all of a sudden? They've never done right. this before. <laughs> right, um, right. <laughs> but then uh, I think about Top Gun Maverick mm. and how big and sweeping and romantic and corny that movie was. Yeah. And we just inhaled it like oxygen, be- like we hadn't breathed in 20 years. God. Um, like was my that the favorite- last time that, that something like that happened? I guess like maybe Avatar, but like Avatar yeah. was so weird and unfamiliar yeah. That yeah. we were like, what the hell? You know, but because um, like my favorite scene in all of Top Gun Maverick, I like will tear up every time I watch that scene. It's when him and Jennifer, him, you know, Maverick, when when, uh, <laughs> when 
<laughs> you know, Maver- Top Gun. You know, Top Gun. There he is, <laughs> Top Gun. Uh, and they call him uh, Top Gun. <laughs> that son of a bitch sure is Top Gun. <laughs> uh, I, I think about that scene where him and Jennifer Connelly are on the, the sailboat. And like Hans Zimmer and Lady Gaga's score is like sweeping and they're in the water so blue and they're so hot and in love. And it's like so not interested. And, you know, there's never a part where it cuts to like uh, like the dude from Severance on a little dinghy being like, hey, you know, we could see you, right? You're being really lame like that. That doesn't happen. Right. And because I, I, I think like. Yeah, and so I, I want to hope that there's still an appetite for that. Yeah, but yeah. it's because it's yeah. interesting because I think like there's a world where that could have been the Shazam movies, mm, yeah, and yeah. and I think that the first Shazam balances the earnestness with the the guy yelling "I can see you" on the boat. Sure, yeah, there's yeah. there are lots of moments. Like Definitely, that in the yeah. first Shazam. And I think the main problem with the second Shazam is that rather than going, oh, okay, they like the earnest stuff. Let's lean into that and away from the rest. Instead, they went the opposite direction and leaned further into the sort of like, all this is dumb and absurd, right? Um, that's what you guys like is that we're like, we're making, we're, we're, we're Deadpool light. Dead- that's why you're here. Yeah. <laughs> You're like kind. The first one was kind of Deadpool, I guess, a little bit. Now that I think, yeah. now that you've brought it up, movie, I guess, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and that's and we we both we both enjoyed uh, Shazam Fury of, Fury of the Gods, Furious right? Gods. Yeah, we did, but but it did it, it definitely leaned harder into guy on the boat, yeah, saying I can hear you. <laughs> <laughs> it 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 lacked the heart. Or it didn't have enough of the heart that we that we loved from the first movie so much, right? Right. And like, I keep thinking about like that interview, this interview that I read once of Kirsten Dunst and how she was convinced to do this movie, and she was just so charmed and beguiled by no pun intended by Sam Raimi just being this like like Peter Parker, this poetry reading dork, yeah, with this big beating heart that he couldn't hide if he tried, yeah, and. I think like I just connect with that tone on a spiritual molecular level. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and, yes. And so like that's why this movie yeah, is like catnip too. I think both of us. And yeah. cuz like you were like, you know, you were in a pizza hut surviving off of the cure and the Spider-Man 2 score. <laughs> yeah. And and like there's nothing c- cynical about that, you know? <laughs> like Yeah. Like you were going through it, but like, yeah, you were like, oh, hope, like, t- yeah. like tangles on a string. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I could use some I mean, slow spinning redemption right about now. Oh my god! And like, like that song, like that music yeah. video, like imprinted yeah. on my brain. It was like, because it was so like aching and romantic, but also just like it was. It was. It wasn't quite Chad Kroger, you know? Right. Right. Well, and that was that was a big thing when when the when the second soundtrack hit. They were like, "All right, I know the last one was pretty generic, but we got it right this time. You guys are gonna love this." We decided to like make we decided to design to design this soundtrack mm-hmm. as if it was music that Peter Parker would listen to. Yeah, that's the song. rather than you know, 
doing the the Batman soundtrack brought to you by Prince, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 like for the, sure. We're, we're... That the first one was. Here, here's what was big in 2002, you know? Right. Here's what pop music sounded like in 2002. Right. Uh, maybe there's a good chance you and Zach made this connection back in the show. Mm. But one thing that happened in between Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2 in terms of soundtracks and curated soundtracks uh, is the OC. That's true. That's true. And Oh, and Garden State came out in 04. That's oh yeah, that's right. Um also Eternal Sunshine. Wow, holy shit, 2004. 2004, man. Underrated year. <laughs> Underrated rated year. year. Um yeah. Uh yeah, yeah. No, so the, like the you know, all the soundtracks from from the OC, I mean, they were pumping out three per season, three three volumes per season. I mean, it was crazy cuz they just they just People couldn't get enough of the the music supervisors' taste in music on that show. Yeah, this was before Spotify, where everyone had a cool music supervisor living in their pocket. You right, know? right. This was just like, yeah, yeah. You're right, and this is very inspired by that sort of Seth Cohen vibe. Um, yeah, Adam. They're Brody cousins. Would have been a great Spider Man. Would have been amazing. Right in this era, he would have been. Like the, yeah, since oh, I think God, he probably yeah. would have been too old by the time he got to Amazing Spider-Man. But yeah, he's not he's not wide-eyed enough for this version of Spider-Man. But yeah, you no. take you take season one Seth Cohen and drop him into like Homecoming era Spider-Man. Oh yeah, boom. <laughs> yeah. yeah, get out of here, limey. He he's one of those guys though that he would have also been a really good Harry Osborn. I was thinking about that's great because like you know. Franco, you know, now now like noted sex pest. Right. Unfortunately, impossible to like shake off. Right. But he's not he's not bad in this. He he's just he seems rudderless in all three of these. Mm. And mm-hmm. where he's just kind of I think he's like the most underwritten character in all of these. And he he's he's a little more focused in the first one. Um this one, I, I, it almost feels like they cut scenes with him in this one. Yeah, I have a lot of questions. I, I, I dig the moments where he's like trying to be Norman. Or yeah, his version of Norman. But I like, wanted like, I want like more information. I guess about like, like what's this been like for him? Like what? Yeah. What does it look like when he's like in front of the board? Does he run the oh, board? Yeah, like what, it, what are, what are his actual goals? Why is it so important that Otto succeeds in this? What would him succeeding do for you personally or professionally? Mm-hmm. You know, did you drop out of college? Like, Oh, I want to know all of these things. And the movie doesn't really spend any time on that. Yeah. Um, for a and lot then- of reasons, as we'll get into <laughs> in the behind the scenes thing, but, oh yes, uh, hell yes. Yeah. Yeah. But um but yeah, I agree with you. So I, I found myself wondering, like, well, who well who else would have been a good Harry? And I couldn't remember like other actors that were because like that was a shitty time for male actors. I feel like everybody was boring as hell. Yeah. yeah um for sure. But Adam um, Brody's good. That that would have been a good I, I, The Harry. only problem with Adam Brody is he wouldn't have been ready for the first one. Mm, yeah, a little too, a little too young. He, yeah, a little too young for the first movie, two thousand two. Um, yeah, would have been would have been perfect if it had been launched in like two thousand four. But yeah, he would be he'd be a good uh, he would be a really good Harry Osborn because he has that thing that 
thing where you're like, oh, that guy's a dork, but he's rich. So, yeah, you know, yeah, which is what, Harry. What, yeah, that's Harry. That's what who Harry has always been. It's like if he wasn't rich, he would be a, a bigger dork than Peter Parker. And with Franco immediately, just visually, you're like, yeah. oh, I get it. Like, you're the cool dude who's known this kid since that you were eight and right. you're sticking with him out of loyalty and he's your buddy. But like right. you're you're a stud and he's a nerd. He's a nerd. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, whereas like, yeah, the Adam Brody version of that, you'd be like, oh, yeah, no, I get it. But also you'd get like as he gets older and he gets less nerdy and more like confident you would buy right. that too you know totally totally like yeah. by the time he's like in out of like in college or out of college in his 20s right you know i think they try i keep you know the, the thing about the other two the thing about mark webb and watts is like you know these movies are exalted the Raimi trilogy rightly so but like they don't they're they're trying there's an effort there yeah you know, like, like I think about Harry, like Dane DeHaan's yeah. Harry. That's what they're going for. They're going for like, look, he's a kind of nerdy, but he's rich, but right. it gets overpowered with like soy sauce. Right. There's like, he's, he's nerdy, but he's rich. Um, but also he's a sociopath, total sociopath. Yeah. Um, you know, a just a, just a full blown psycho. <laughs> and and I bring up those other movies also and because... he wants his blood. <laughs> he wants his special blood. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. what, a, what a performance. Um, I, I but, don't think I've ever realized that there has only been three directors who have ever directed Spider-Man movies. Yeah, like, I, I thought I, about that today. I've never really put that together before. Like, oh, there's only been three guys that have mm-hmm. ever done it. It's kind of crazy. Webb, Raimi. Yeah, live action. Obviously, there was for sure, for sure, three directors on Spider Verse. But yeah, and and um, and like, but also the other reason to bring that up is like this is such a love story, mm-hmm. and I'm just hook, line, and sinker for Peter and MJ's romance. I know like a lot of in back in '04 and now that's not everyone's cup of tea, where like the earnestness kind of it, it starts to ring into like cloy like she like oh my god another monologue here we go you know yeah and the other you know watson watson and and uh web they make an effort to make spider-man romantic because you got mm-hmm. gwen stacy and andrew garfield fit yeah. you know off the, off the charts chemistry and then you have right. zendaya and tom holland again off the charts chemistry yeah but for some reason i, I it, it's not remembered as I don't know, you know? I I actually think their chemistry is is really good, but it's all dialogue based. In both so, cases. In both cases. Yes, so I like agree. yeah, in both cases it's all dialogue based. Their chemistry comes with how they like play off of each other. Rom-com banter they don't, flirt. Right. They don't have any chemistry pining after each other or just like looking at each other or you know what I mean? Yeah. The they're ache. they're missing that like oh I want these two to fucking make out already like oh, they're, 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 <laughs> yeah. they're missing that part of it I think where yeah. like you get to the end of this movie and you know they finally kiss and it's like a big release mm-hmm. where you're like yes fucking finally yes yeah 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 <laughs> and and I think at the end of the, it's like you know to their disadvantage to the disadvantage of both other Spider Man directors 
their Spider-Man movies weren't allowed to just be Spider-Man movies. You look at Spider-Man 2 and you're like, holy shit, there's nothing else that matters. Who needs the X-Men? Right. Who needs anything other than just Spider-Man? And both of those, by the time the other trilogies get off the ground or whatever, they're doing other things or they're trying to set up their smaller pieces in a larger thing because that's what superhero movies are by the time we get to them. It is, it is, I mean, DC at least is making an effort in terms of, of trying to make standalone movies, you know, like you've got the Batman, which isn't going to like tie into any other thing except for like the spinoff TV show, but it's not like part of the DCU, right? Like Jennifer Holland didn't show up at the end of the Batman. Right, right. Robert Pattinson's not going to like shake hands with like whoever the new Superman is. Um, well, so so they're like at least making efforts with like the Elseworlds thing. It'll be I'll be interested to see if they greenlight any new stuff um, that is yeah. Elseworlds. Uh, but it really does. It really does like break my heart a little bit that when eventually Sony sells all the Spider-Man stuff back to Disney, because it'll happen one day. I mean, it might. Mm. Maybe, maybe you know, ten years, twenty years, fifty years. Something big at Sony is going to flop so hard that they're going to be desperate for money, and that's just how these things go. Eventually, they'll have everything, right? As soon as they have Spider-Man, they'll have everything, and then we will never see a Marvel movie like this ever again. That doesn't tie into anything else. Um, it'll just never happen. We just won't have. Wow. So, li- listeners, time of recording, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 has just come out yeah, and, you know, pretty much knocked everyone's socks off. I, I haven't yeah. really heard a lot of negative stuff about that movie, which is crazy these days. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that movie had, you know, dick to do with, like, Secret Wars and Kang or yeah. the Young Avengers or whatever the heck they're doing over there, you know? Right. Uh, and so I'm like, God, so I, I have this brain blast right now. Uh Jimmy Neutron, also 2000, no, 2003, I think. <laughs> um, uh, and so I was like, gosh, what if Marvel, what if, you know, like Kevin Feige, you know, c- c- cement, you know, the thing with like in a bomb shelter, like the bunker, you see dust falling and they're like, oh, we're getting pounded up there. What are we going to do? And Feige's like, what if we, what if they started doing Elseworlds tales? Oh, I would love that. Of like, what if we started doing like, let's just do this, and it doesn't have to lead to anything because I think they're kind of over that. Which yeah. I don't even know if that's true. Maybe we aren't over that. Maybe we just won't get movies. No, no, no. Like uh, that's the thing. The the problem is that I think that a lot of a lot of uh, fans, I will say fans yeah. instead of moviegoers, a lot of fans consider anything that isn't moving the plot forward filler. I think that's a really important distinction you just made, Scott. Is like. Like going back to Rami, like, welcome to the pictures, kid. You know, sit down, yeah. grab some popcorn, you know, have a he 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 made these movies for moviegoers. Right. And what we didn't have back in 04 was a cottage industry of fan accounts, Instagram pages, Twitter yep. profiles, YouTube channels dedicated to the industry of fandom. Yep. Of like of looking forward to the new connecting everything. These were just movies for people that wanted to go to the movies. Yep. And I think those people would be very put out if they stopped doing like the, they this leads into this and this Loki leads into fantastic four and whatnot, because they have like a vested interest. I don't, I don't think those fans actually give a shit 
about having a good time at the movies as much as they do about getting clicks and views. And wanting to be right about right. their theories and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, they want to know what they want to see the next movie so that they can get a clearer picture of what's six steps down the road. Yes. Um, so that's what they can make their new video about. Um, and I think the powers that the, the filmmakers are mistaking, like, well, I guess those are the fans. That's what the fans want. Yeah. And it's like really not that. I mean, that's kind of the story of the Internet, right? Is it feels like it's this big thundering thing. But then you look under the rock and there's like, oh, there's only like a 100 of you guys. Right. Yeah. Now, this is the difference is that um, they're making fan. They're making movies for fans instead of uh, movies for everyone by fans. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which is what this is. Right. Yeah. A a kid who grew up waking up every day staring at a Spider-Man poster Right. Pointing at it being like, that means something to me. Right. And that's kind of what this movie is about is mm-hmm. like, I, I think, I think Rosemary Harris is the heart of this movie. Sure. You know, like what Spider-Man means to the people in New York in in, in, in Sam Raimi's New York. Right. He hits that point again and again and again, like why this superhero matters and right. why heroes matter and therefore why movies matter. Is it power to make you the, the the viewer feel bigger in your seat? You know, right, right, yeah. Oh man, um, <laughs> the story of this movie, yeah, the story of this movie getting made is crazy. Yeah, so uh, strap in, everybody. Uh, not as long as last week's uh, flashback. We had a lot of ground to cover last week. Uh, this week, it's just about the development of this movie and also um, the story about how we almost didn't have Tobey Maguire in this movie um, and that whole thing. So uh, so that's going to be playing now. Um, that will be uh, myself and uh, past guest of this show and my co-host on Spider-Man Minute, Zach Luna. Um, but this will be us from five years ago in 2018 uh, discussing the development um, and early production things of Spider-Man 2. And uh, we'll see you on the other side to talk about the movie. that's most surprising going into spider-man 2 is how much of a miracle this movie is uh like the fact that it's as good as it is is a miracle and wow i can't believe this movie exists Mm -hmm. at the level that it exists at because it has no right to be what it is Uh, (laughs) it really has no right to be as good as it is so Let's Here talk about how they wrote this movie. Yeah. Okay. So, so as you'll as you'll see, there are there's a story credit, um, and we have two credited writers. For those of you who don't know how writing credits are uh, credited, writing partners, you and your writing partner have an ampersand between your name, which is the little the little and symbol. Mm-hmm. When you when you write a draft and then someone else writes a draft, the word and goes between 
your names. So that's like how you differ out. right, spelled okay. out. So that's how you differentiate those things. So now the credits for Spider-Man 2 are a story by Alfred Go, Ampersand, Miles Miller. Okay. And Michael Chabon. <laughs> Screenplay by Alvin Sargent. Now, okay. What is probably like <laughs> what how do you go what how does that happen? Well, Strap in. Um, <laughs> so uh, the first thing that happened is um, immediately, immediately upon finishing Spider-Man, Sony was like, okay, we have to make a sequel. So Sony hires Alfred Goh and Miles Miller to write the first draft of Spider-Man 2. It should also be noted that there is no shooting draft. Uh, there is a draft, uh, but more on that in a second. So <laughs> Alfred, Alfred Goh and Miles Miller are the uh, most notably known as the creators of Smallville. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is they... awesome. Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. great. Why not? Um, and they, uh, they actually uh, created Smallville in uh, 2001. So it would have been oh. – uh, they would have – I, I believe Smallville wouldn't have been on television yet. When they got the job to write Spider-Man 2. So they wrote Spider-Man 2 right before Smallville got picked up. But after they shot the pilot, I would imagine. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, So, yeah. So they were like in a weird spot in their their career. Uh, They had (laughs) sort of – they sort of jumped on – jumped into – Writing film, I imagine, uh, with some sort of spec script that I'm not uh, aware of. But yeah. uh, the first writing credit they have is Lethal Weapon 4, uh, <laughs> okay. which they yeah. wrote together. And then later they wrote Shanghai Noon and Shanghai Nights. Nice. Um, they were also uh, two of the writers on Herbie Fully Loaded. Later on, they tried to create a – they were going to make an Aquaman show, TV show. Oh, with, that's uh, right. Yeah, with yeah. Justin Hartley from This Is Us. That's right. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who would go on to play uh, Oliver Queen, Green Arrow on Smallville. So he made it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then currently, currently they are uh, they are the co-creators and showrunners of Into the Badlands on AMC. Nice. Yeah. So that's what Solid they've got. Career. They've got mm-hmm. that's that's their whole sort of uh, career. But at this point, they had just done uh, Shanghai Noon and mm-hmm. had just sold smallville and we're waiting to see if the pilot was going to get picked up got it so that's where they were at their career at this point so having done a superman show they were hired to write spider-man 2 they wrote a script uh sam knew that he wanted to do an adaptation of amazing spider-man number 50 spider-man no more and he knew he wanted dr octopus so Alfred Go and Miles Miller came in and they wrote the script and they uh, wrote a version of the movie that featured Dr. Octopus and the Lizard. Oh, boy. OK. Uh, so, yeah. So both both characters. Uh, the idea here being that Dr. Otto Octavius and Dr. Kirk Connors were colleagues who ah, right. were uh, involved in a simultaneous accident that they each blame each other for uh, <laughs> and sort of go to war Against each other rather than Spider-Man. Spider-Man sort of gets in the middle of their fight to like be like, hey, you two knuckleheads, knock it off, is basically (laughs) the idea of it. Um, Got it. You know, it's it's, – obviously it would be more dramatic than that, than you two knuckleheads, knock it off. But (laughs) – Though I would watch that. (laughs) But but yeah. But the difference difference between the two movies was that they weren't 
trying to get Spider-Man until like act three. It was really more about these two guys fighting each other and Spider-Man's the only mm-hmm. one who can get between them. Um, yeah. So that yeah. was, that's sort of like the original idea. Now there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's an extra little detail to this script. Oh boy. Um, now the Dr. Octopus and the lizard thing was meant to mirror Peter and Harry's arc in this story of okay. uh, two, you know, previous friends, uh, not on uh, the best of terms. Hey, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. sure. Um, okay. It was supposed to be a mirroring sort of thing there. Now, the other the other element of this that was going to be in this was actually Black Cat um, was what? also going to be in the film. Yeah. So Black Cat was also going to be in the film. And the idea being that <laughs> if this is a story about Peter deciding once and for all whether like whether or not he's because it's a it, it's supposed to be about him struggling with his Peter Parker life and his Spider-Man life. And the idea of him believing that he needs to choose one, that he can't do both. He needs to either be Spider-Man or be Peter Parker because he's kind of sucking at both. Is yeah. the idea? Yeah. So in this version of the story, Black Cat was introduced as a sort of love interest for Spider-Man as opposed to Mary Jane as a love interest for Peter. And I see. And it was yeah. it was the idea of him having to choose. They were representing his choice of these two lives. Got it. Yeah. Um, Which, okay. I yeah. can see, I, I can, I can grok all of those decisions. Sure. Um, it all, it yeah. all, it definitely feels like a first draft and, but not mm-hmm. in a bad way. Like it just feels like, okay, this is a first draft. If they had stayed on, they would have been able to hone this stuff down and really make it work by their, you know, sixth draft or however many before production started. Right. Right. However, obviously I mentioned this before, <laughs> Smallville got picked up and, uh-huh. Uh, immediately upon Smallville getting picked up, they were like, I, I mean, we can, we're going to, we got to make TV showrunner money that we're, we're going to go do that now. Yeah. Um, which for those <laughs> of you make don't a know, thousand episodes of yeah, a TV show, right? Show, I... Showrunner money is good money. Um, yeah. Yeah. Real good money. So they were like, we need to go do that. So they left their notes with David Kep and they sort of like kept in conversations with David Kep and they just sort of like all wrote together. Um, huh. But David Kep opted to not take a credit at all. Um, Amazing, yeah. Like David Kep again, who uh, was one of the final screenwriters on the previous film, right? Um, right, yeah. yeah. Um, so that came in. Uh, people liked everybody liked parts of it, but they didn't love all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so they decided to bring in a, a, a fresh faced writer who uh, had just won um, the Pulitzer Prize for Fiction uh, for his novel, The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay, about uh, a superhero. It was a novel about about a superhero, and that was uh, Michael Chabon. Um, Now, Michael Chabon, he he hadn't really had any experience being a screenwriter. He got the Pulitzer Prize for Fiction, and he sort of made the water bottle tour of Hollywood, you know, because he was interested in writing movies, but he'd never done it before. And having written, having run, won the Pulitzer, Pulitzer Prize for writing a superhero story, they thought, well, let's have him write a superhero story. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 So he wrote a draft. Swim. <laughs> right, totally. Uh, so he wrote a draft of Spider-Man 2, and he basically threw out everything that was in the the Go uh, Miller David Kep drafts 
Mm -hmm. um, threw all of it out, started from scratch, page one rewrite, because (laughs) it is very different from the film that we got. Now, there are there are scenes, wholesale scenes and sequences in his draft that are in the final movie. Uh, But his draft Hmm. had a younger Doc Ock, like in his mid 20s, Doc Ock in this in this draft uh, actually replaces John Jameson. Whoa, as the figure courting MJ's affections. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, So he is uh, he's a younger man and he's a successful man. And the idea is that Mary Jane is dating him because he can't she can't get Peter. So she dates someone kind of like Peter. Ah, um, uh, okay. Which is okay. Otto Octavius yeah. Uh, yeah. in this version. So, um, young, hot Otto Octavius. Yeah, yeah. Young, <laughs> young, hunky Otto Octavius. Uh, <laughs> but he ends up in the, in the accident where he uh, gets the tentacles. There's also this side thing where after the tentacles are, are fused, um, they are actually actively killing him. Whoa, um, okay. And yeah. – the only reason that he is able to deal is that the the chemical the the limbs actually um use like endorphins to counteract the pain of them being attached to his body okay and he's being so he's being addic- he's getting addicted to the endorphins from these tentacles the... whoa also okay. they're killing him also yes okay the, and and the reason that they're killing him is that uh they are uh, essentially like poisoning his spine like his spinal fluid or something um anyway it's it's affecting his brain it's killing him and uh the plot of the movie is that uh the reason that it's it's ruining him is because he's just a normal man but if he had the spine of say a superhero oh he would be able to survive so the plot of the movie (laughs) is that he wants to extract Spider-Man's spine no. and install it in his own back no, so oh. that he can keep the tentacles. Keep the tentacles, which he's addicted to. Which okay. he's addicted to, yes. Got it. Yep. Give me a spine, Spider-Man. Yeah. Got it. That is wild. Yep. Um, this okay. also includes a storyline of, of Harry and the Daily Bugle putting uh, uh, coming together to put a $10 million price on Spider-Man's head. So cool. the whole okay. city uh, turned against him because they all, ah, they all want the payday. Money. Yeah, right. sure. Okay. Okay. Uh, so that's how they go back to the city, you know, quote unquote, hating Spider-Man after. I don't dislike that. Yeah. Uh, after the yeah. great stuff in the first movie um, uh. of them all sort of coming back, coming together to save him. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. But then uh, Avi Arad basically read this script and rejected the love triangle angle with Doc Ock uh, and felt that Harry putting a price on Spider-Man's head was, quote, unsubtle. Unquote. <laughs> Man, if there's a note you don't want to get, it's Avi Arad telling you you're unsubtle. Boy, mm-hmm. howdy. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right. So, uh, so those were the 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 drafts that we were working with. I think we're we're on our third draft at this point, where we have the Alfred <laughs> Alfred Gold Miles Miller draft, uh, and then the, they left to go do Smallville, and then David Kep came in and did rewrites on their draft uh, uh-huh. with with them. Um, right. You know, phone meetings or what have you while they're mm-hmm. up in uh, Vancouver, you know, <laughs> working on Smallville. Um, Making a Canada show. Yep. Yes. And uh, and then we have the 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 page one rewrite of um, Michael Shabon in uh, September of 2002. Mm-hmm. So at this point, we're getting dangerously close to production. 
yeah. because you know they they went and uh they started shooting <laughs> they started shooting in Chicago the Chicago Loop pre-shoot was in Crazy. November of 2002 the Shabon so draft was September 2002 Oh God! Two months yeah. later, so, they're already doing pre-shoots for you know green screen projection and stuff like that. Right for the big fights, yeah. For the big oh, train sequences, they are out of time. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. at this point, uh, you know, Raimi not being happy with any of the drafts, uh, he took all of them, hired Alvin Sargent, and uh, who who had you know worked on rewriting uh, the first Spider-Man. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. he was not the on-set writer. I was the first Spider-Man. David Kep was the onset writer, but mm-hmm. Alvin Sargent wrote the draft prior to the, right prior to that. He basically yeah. wrote the the shooting draft that would then be tweaked on set by uh, David Kep. Got it. Got it. Um, the the David Kep sandwich, if you will. Um, <laughs> so uh, so they brought on Alvin Sargent to do it this time, and uh, what they did was Raimi basically sifted through all of the previous drafts. Uh, the Go Miller draft, the Go Miller Kep mm-hmm. draft, and the Shabon draft, uh, and they he he basically like uh, cut and pasted together a movie from <laughs> their drafts and was a like Frankenscript, well, okay, yeah, a Frankenscript. Yeah. He was basically like, I like this from here and this from there, and he gave that to Alvin Sargent and was like, this is the movie we're making. Make it make sense. <laughs> okay. Also, we start shooting. Next month. <laughs> so so Alvin Sargent uh, comes on board, does his best to piece it all together. They go in with a shooting draft that, um, you know, has those those elements that he really wanted to, to hammer down. The, the Spider-Man No More, mm-hmm. Amazing Spider-Man 50, uh, you know, Peter losing his part powers inspired by Superman 2. Mm-hmm. And just the idea of Peter uh, trying to struggle between his personal life and his life as Spider-Man. It's, it's okay, I've accepted that with great power comes responsibility, but what what is the cost of that? Right, right. Um, and he's like, that's what I want the movie to be about. Well, mm-hmm. that theme is was strong enough that they were able to slap together this Franken script that Alvin Sargent basically smooths out the edges of. Mm-hmm. And then Alvin Sargent was on every day rewriting the scene for the next day. Oh, yeah. So Through he, the whole movie. Was, they set him up in an area where we're shooting this next. Uh, rewrite it. And that's yep. how. Literally, Raimi would come to his trailer, to Alvin's trailer, mm-hmm. uh, during setup. Like he would say, okay, this is the shot we're going to do. Get to work. I'll be back in, you know, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he would go to Alvin's trailer and he's like, okay, Alvin, what do you got for tomorrow? Okay. I like this, this change, this tweak, this. All right. I'm going back out to shoot some more. He'd go <laughs> shoot some more and come back. And it would just be like that for the whole movie. This entire movie was created completely by the seat of their pants. That's insane. Insane. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is, this is a high stakes, uh, high wire act that I would say, 99,000 times out of 100,000. Did I get that right? Yeah, it would not work. But in this case, a miracle happened, Um, which I guess, like you said, might just have been from the fact that they were so 
so keen on what theme they wanted to hit um, that it gave the, them the bones a were focus. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, had a, we had a way to focus ourselves, even if we're making this up as we go. There's the, the central spine is there, the shape of the story we already know. It's just the details of like how literally people are going to speak that we don't know for sure yet. So we'll make that up as we go. Um, that's insane. Uh, I, yep. Uh, I I have heard it from you. I in this like deep tissue way. I have seen it alluded to in other f- formats, and I still can't quite believe it. Uh, yeah. it it's. This movie has absolutely no right to be as good as it is. Yeah. Based on how it was made. It yeah. it is it is insane. And the fact that you know people like to give Spider-Man 3 crap of just like wow, they were not prepared. How could they have possibly gone into that movie not knowing what they were doing? Well, they did it in they did it in the previous film and it became <laughs> the best superhero film ever made. So right. yeah. they thought they knew what they 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 were like, oh well maybe this is just our process. Yeah, this totally worked. Hey, look it at just, that. It was uh, just an accident. It was an accident. <laughs> like, oh wow. Yeah. yeah. Um So Tony McGuire, um, in between Spider Man and Spider Man two, he got one of the lead roles um, in it's it's hard to in a movie like Sea Biscuit it's hard to say who's the lead uh, because <laughs> it's it, you know is it the horse it's Bojack um, right yeah yeah, yeah. is it is it the horse uh, but it's you know he's definitely one of the leads I would say the co leads of the movie are probably um, <laughs> Jeff Bridges character and and Tobey Maguire right um, right yeah they both they they have the two most substantial arcs and Sea Biscuit himself but uh, yes. that's neither here nor there <laughs> um, so. So uh, the the horse and Sea Biscuit not playing Spider Man in this movie, as it turns out. No, um, no, it's so kind of irrelevant. Uh, it's Toby. Yeah, but uh, but Toby he injured his back during mm. the process of filming Sea uh, Biscuit, and yeah. it appeared that he was not going to be able to star in this movie. That was such a very real possibility that they actually mm. they 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 straight up cast Jake Gyllenhaal as. Peter Parker, Spider-Man for Spider-Man mm-hmm. 2 because the ball was rolling. They couldn't stop. They already had paid so much money on marketing and on mm-hmm. on all of the things. I mean, you know, sets and all this stuff. You can't just let that stuff sit there. You've got to yeah. you got to use it um, or it's mm-hmm. going to cost millions and millions of dollars. And Crazy. so, uh, yeah, they were just going to pretend that Jake Gyllenhaal was the same <laughs> character and just roll into Spider-Man 2 with Jake Gyllenhaal in the role. And I mean, well, just you, James Bond it. Yeah, yeah right. Just... <laughs> and, and, you know, or, or Val Kilmer it or, you know, whatever, however yeah, you want to yeah. look at it. But it was uh-huh. it was going to be weird because he would have been the only factor not returning because everyone else. Right. Everyone else was coming back um, except for Tobey Maguire because of his back injury. His injury. Right. Do you know what the injury – like how it happened? Or like, I assume it's horse stunt related. Yeah. I mean uh, he fell off – I don't know he, how he else fell he fell off a horse. I mean that's – fell off a horse. Yeah. 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 Ouch. Then you can't go web slinging for a while now, Toby. I mean that seems like a huge deal. Uh, the, the distinction you made I think is the important one. The idea that um, in scenarios where you recast a character for their returning film, traditionally it's – the whole thing is getting redone from right. scratch, you know, like it's our some kind of reboot or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which or, like, or soft will... reboot, like Batman Forever. 
Totally. Yeah. But I, I can't think of anything besides like, you know, in Back to the Future 2, for example, like they recast Marty McFly's girlfriend in that. Right. From Elizabeth Shue to so-and-so. And you kind of roll with it, but also like those movies by design sideline her. So she's not like... She's not a, a focus. Big... Yeah. Yeah, she's not a focus. Yeah. But it would be as if you made Back to the Future 2 right after the massive success of Back to the Future. And by the way, we don't have Michael J. Fox anymore. Like, that that would be uh, unprecedented, I would, I would think. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely yeah. On, on this scale, because Spider-Man was so successful, uh, mm-hmm. the idea of messing with that recipe was probably very stressful for everyone involved in the making of the movie. Um, <laughs> Especially since that success is why they went so quickly into the sequel. Right. It's like, that's why they were locked into the time frame was because yeah. of that success. Exactly. And I mean, uh, you know, the, the only benefit that you had going to Jake Gyllenhaal is that, you mm-hmm. know, if you squint mm-hmm. a little, he kind of looks like Tobey Maguire. Yeah. Um, Especially in 2004. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, when, before uh, he got ripped for, what was it? Prince of Persia. Prince I of think. Persia. Yeah. <laughs> We just got just completely ripped, and 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 you were like, "What? Who is that? What happened?" Uh, yeah, before that happened, um, yeah. definitely he was a bit more of a, uh, you know, he just rounder features and things. He wasn't yeah, he wasn't yeah, as gaunt yeah. as he is uh, now. Yeah, now I like current day Jake Gyllenhaal is like, oh, intense actor Jake Gyllenhaal. Right, but like at the time it was like, oh, he's another one of those soft boys. Okay, he's. A very different kind of actor now than he was then. Totally. Then what? What did he have to his name? Donnie Darko and Bubble Boy. I mean, yeah, <laughs> October what? Sky. I mean, come yeah, on, October yeah. Sky. Sure, <laughs> not a lot. But what they did have going for them was that at the time he he looked enough like Tobey Maguire, mm-hmm. and two, he was dating Kristen Dunst. Right, uh, right. Which, you know, was like, oh, we have built-in chemistry. Like, we worked real hard giving the <laughs> two of them great chemistry. We have one of the most iconic cinematic kisses of all time in that first Spider-Man movie. Yeah. Uh, how are we going to – and we're just going to recast it? Well, we get her boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> it might work. It might it work. Might. Of, course, of course I love this movie the way it came out. And it, mm-hmm. it's, like we said, a miracle it came out – as well as it did, but I would totally watch alternate universe version of this movie starring Jake Gyllenhaal. I think that would be sure. fascinating. Um, well, I would just uh, honestly, Spider-Man aside, I yeah. would just love to see Jake Gyllenhaal in a Sam Raimi movie. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like, like it feels like their energies would sync up pretty well. <laughs> yeah, to me. Yeah. Um. It, like there's... like imagine him in. Uh, did you did you ever see Oz the Great and Powerful? I did not, but now okay. I'm immediately imagining him as the title character in Oscar yeah, Powerful, you, and I like that idea of a movie already. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal as Oz the Great and the Powerful would have been um, – that would have been great. Plus, he kind of has a Bruce Campbell vibe to him. I don't oh, know. Yeah, there's I was a, thinking that. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of stuff going – like good <laughs> stuff going for, for, for Jake Gyllenhaal in a Sam Raimi movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so that was that was the plan. It was it was it was locked in. It was done, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, done deal. So they were they were rolling right into production. They were getting ready, and mm-hmm. then last minute, Toby's people basically got in touch and were like, "Okay, so here's the deal. He can come back if we make a few concessions. One of those concessions is that we front load the production schedule mm-hmm. with talky stuff." 
you know, like just sure. straight yeah. acting scenes, no stunts, nothing like that. Give him some more time to heal. Give him his back more time to heal. Um, and then, you know, backload, no pun intended, backload <laughs> the uh, the production with all the stunt work. Right. Yeah. And uh, and they agreed to that. And then the other one, the other bit was that uh, they asked if they could cut one of the action sequences. Oh. Because it was just it was too much. So there was an action sequence that originally took place in and around the Daily Bugle. Oh. And they cut that action sequence. So I think, it, you know, much like in the first film when uh, the Green Goblin, you know, attacks uh, the Daily Bugle, attacks right. uh, Jonah's yeah. office. I believe there was a comparable scene mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with uh dr octopus and spider-man and yeah which makes um, sense because in the original film for a long time they had kept the idea that that both villains would be in the original film both green goblin and doc ock and there was right. like um there's i remember very clearly some of the um art the concept art where it was j jonah jameson and doc octopus outside the uh the bugle like there was a whole thing yeah. yeah okay so it was like an idea they had and it seemed solid and it was worked into their or their first few cracks at the script so then they're like yeah that's what we'll be doing if we don't have to do that the, the stunt load shifts dramatically i guess right exactly okay. yeah um yeah. I, and it's also part of the reason why i think this movie is less action oriented than I think people remember it being. Mm-hmm. There's a big drop in the middle of the movie where there's yeah. just nothing. There's not really yeah. any major action sequences. So mm-hmm. there's really only like three proper fights, you know? Like right. In the, right. Yeah. 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 So I think that's probably where that was supposed to go. I um, see. So anyway, so they they cut that sequence, uh, mm-hmm. which actually ended up saving the production in the long run about. Ten million dollars. Oh, okay. Nice. Um, so, because yeah, that's about how much an action sequence yeah. costs, um, <laughs> give or take. Yeah, give or take, depending on the sequence. Uh-huh. Uh, so, so then that happened. Now, here's the other thing. In the first film, Tobey mm-hmm. Maguire made three and a half million dollars, which is uh, uh, respectable. That's respectable. not a bad paycheck. Yeah, yeah, respectable, <laughs> especially for an actor at the level that Tobey Maguire was. Prior to getting cast in Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like which he, was just like, you know, it was it was uh, Cider House Rules in Pleasantville. Um, yeah, he's been around, but he's not like a known quantity in middle America. You know, right. it's not like nobody still gonna... had to. He still had to shoot screen tests to get. Right. The part, yeah. Like you, know? you couldn't put Tobey Maguire's name on a poster and expect people just to show up because of that. Uh, exactly. Yeah. And, in, yeah. and in comparison, you know, the Marvel heroes, uh, they all got cast at around. um Half a million to three quarters of a million per yeah, movie. Yeah, their first their first movie is like five hundred ish, I think. Five hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. So it's it's you know it, he got a lot more than that's nothing any to sneeze at. Yeah. No. Yeah. Not at all. Uh, and I and, and and his original contract was basically he got um he got like uh like a one million dollar raise per movie. Okay. Sure. Um, which is, you know, and plus I, I'm sure an expanded um, share of the box office and, right, you right. know, all of that other technical stuff. You know, the the, the stuff that makes Robert Downey Jr., you know, take Super. home like $80 million a movie. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Now. 
It's all back end points and stuff. Right, um, exactly. So, but however, when they cast Jake Gyllenhaal, it rendered his contract with them null and void. Oh. Which meant that his sequel clauses were null and void, which meant they had to renegotiate his contract for the sequel. And, oh. uh, and uh, their, uh, their, their agents who just asked them to cut an action sequence, saving them $10 million, were just basically like, so um, we're going to want $17 million for this. <laughs> and uh, they got it. Uh, so yeah. they, they, they brought Toby back for $17 million. My God. Yeah. In, in Spider-Man 2. Uh, it, Solid payday. Uh, so yeah. there wow. we go. That's how that worked out. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, well, we got we got Toby in the movie. Um, the only other the only other super minor thing is that uh, originally this was actually going to be called the Amazing Spider Man. Oh, title wise. Uh, okay. Yeah, title yeah. wise. Uh, ah. But around this time, marketing basically came out and said, like, look marketing a film is easier right now. It's like in vogue. It's in style to do a less is more approach to the marketing. Oh, uh, okay. Very simple marketing. So mm-hmm. what they wanted to do was just do a two on the posters with Spider-Man imagery. And it's oh. like, oh, I know what that is. Like, it doesn't have to say Spider-Man. I know it's Spider-Man and it's a two. So it's Spider-Man two. Boom. Yeah. That's right. the name. Yeah. Right. But if it was amazing Spider-Man, it would have to be a more complex uh, complex thing mm-hmm. and uh with toby returning it you know the amazing spider-man title um was going to be more of like uh well it's a new lead character so let's yeah, kind of retitle this soft, a little bit soft reboot but soft oh no reboot. we have the whole team together let's like hammer that home that's right, right we paid all this money for toby uh and we're so glad that he's able to be here Let's really like lean into that. Like right. that movie you loved last year. It's the next one. Boom. You know, right. um, Spider-Man two. I like, I like the title. I think it's, it's kind of old fashioned, but I dig it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, yeah. I mean, it's, it's fine. I, you know, it's a comic book movie and, and comic books are numbered. So oh, right. Yes. <laughs> why not? Yeah. You know, yeah. um, that being said, thematically, I do. I really like the idea of it being called the amazing Spider-Man because it's Mm. one thing to be Spider-Man and it's another thing to sort of, um, I don't know, add an adjective to your name. Right. And and I feel like the theme of the movie being his full acceptance of his role as Spider-Man. Um, I don't know. I like that. I also think it would have been cool to just call it Spider-Man no more. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been pretty cool. Uh, But yeah. not great if uh, they hadn't gotten Toby back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might draw a little too much attention to right. <laughs> that thing there. Right. Um, what a wild process. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a miracle it, of a movie. Miracle of a movie. Thank you, 2018 Scott and Zach. <laughs> yes. uh, Thank you for all of it, your uh, research and hard work. Yes. Uh, in a few months, those two are going to go see Into the Spider-Verse. And it's going to rock their little brains out. Oh, yeah. Um, so, I mean, like, incredible story. The sort of, like, you know, Roger Rabbit putting one track of the train in front of them at a time. <laughs> School of filmmaking. Yeah. And, yeah, I think I think 2018 Scott made a good point of, like, the 
the fiasco, maybe that's too strong of a word, but you know, the Spider-Man three situation, it, it kind of makes a little more sense when you're like, well, I mean, it, it worked that time. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, yeah. But the difference is just that like, they knew what the driving force of every scene. Yes. In this movie is going to be because it was all about what it the, what it, what it takes to sa- what you have to sacrifice to be Spider Man. Um, yeah, and coming to terms with that. I think that's it. Like, I mean, the whole time I was watching Spider Man two this time, I was thinking about the story that you you and Zach told, and like the like, well, how did it work? Why did this work? And I I think yeah, it's 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 a very it's a simple game mm-hmm. of every single scene we have to make things as hard. As po- as possible for Peter, mm-hmm. and keep like upping the ante and like making him more and more desperate, and having fun with that as well as like wringing like real drama out of it. Right, right, yeah, um, yeah. Every every scene is a is, is some kind of sacrifice. Even like later in the movie when he starts when he gives it all up and starts like, you know, raindrops keep falling on my head and and is yeah. good. Getting to go to class and and go to uh, MJ's play and and the whole the whole thing. Even when all of that is happening and he, and it's it seems like everything's coming up, Parker. You you are they they are reiterating to you over and over again that the thing that he's sacrificing is what Spider Man does. Um, right. Yeah. You know. So even when when Peter's winning, Spider Man's losing as a result. And when Spider-Man loses, the city loses. And that's... Yes. Yeah. And that's the cost. That's the cost. The needs of the many. Right. (laughs) Outweigh the needs of the few or the one. Indeed. But I I think that is why the script feels so tight, even though it was so written, it was written in such crazy circumstances, is it has this great scale of like Peter and Spider-Man. Right. And... Yeah, you you get that second half of the movie where for you know Spider Man's at an all time high. He's zipping, he's zapping. The city loves him, but Peter is like in free fall, right? And then very cleanly you have like oh stuff starting to happen for old Parker, but then like oh oh shit oh that's right, the <laughs> the city needs Spider Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a there's a maniac who's gonna implode the city, the whole city. <laughs> He's making a he's making a, an additional sun for some yeah, reason. Yeah, he's gonna suck it into a sun in the middle of New York. <laughs> I saw somebody point out the fact that like his his uh, experiment, like his fusion experiment, would have worked if he wasn't trying to do it like in the middle of New York. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's but, all the yeah. all all it's the magnetism that's the problem. Like, if he just did it out in the middle of nowhere and there was no metal, everything would be fine. Um, no, I mean, sure. Yeah. If he was like Oppenheimer out in the desert. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I think those kinds of questions are like the movie's so confident in tone that the movie definitively says we are in New York City. This takes place in New York. And 2004 to 2023, Nick, doesn't bat an eye when they just land on the Chicago loop. Yeah. because you know they do the service of like oh this is a fantasy this is so clearly a fantasy world like tim burton's gotham even though it's called new york city that you're okay with like well of course he's gonna do the experiment in the middle of manhattan because the whole universe of this movie is new york right that's very true 
That's very true. Nothing else exists. I don't think in all three Spider-Man movies, I don't think we ever leave like the New York boroughs ever. Yeah. Uh, which is, <laughs> you know, quite or- quite quite different from uh, from the the Watts trilogy. <laughs> Sure, sure. And like again, like by design is they want this to feel like it's like the real world or it's a whole universe with like Wakanda and Latveria and right. uh some sometimes even like California. Um but I don't even I, I Scott go on further. I don't even know if there's any mention of cities or places outside of New York in this in these movies. Uh I I, I be- well there's the there's the World Unity Festival. <laughs> right, very true. <laughs> And then in this movie, uh, you have uh, Harry telling Otto, I'll see you in Switzerland. That's right. Yeah. So Switzerland exists. <laughs> and it's where they give out the Nobel Prize. Yeah. And, Even and, and in this gosh, universe. <laughs> there's all, all, all of Harry's dialogue is, it's there's. I mean, everyone's dialogue is very movie-like. But like yeah. Harry in particular is very much like what a child thinks a businessman is like. Because <laughs> he's a he's a he's like a, tw- a ni- twenty year old kid. He's not even old enough to be drinking, but he's drinking and he's uh, like drinking constantly. And and yeah, he's running a business. He is a child pretending to be a grown up. I had so many questions watching this so soon after Spider Man one. Um, yeah, because again, I haven't seen this in easily like ten fifteen years, maybe. Yeah. Um, but like when he walks in and he's like, "I run Oscorp. I run my dad's company." I'm like, "What?" How? Yeah. Like, I know I'm watching Succession right now, but I was just like, I had like had so many questions over like how that came to be. Was that Norman's will? Did he did he want that to happen? But you know, well, I guess there's, I guess there is, uh, 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 there's one important factor. Well, I guess technically two important factors that happen at the end of the last movie, which okay. is one, Norman murders his entire board of directors. Oh, that's true. Leaving only him in charge, and then he dies. So then it would have to go to, I guess, his next of kin, I guess. But I don't know if you kill all your board members, if that just means you don't have a board of directors anymore, or if they all just get replaced by other people. I'm, I'm not really sure how that works. Yeah. And, yeah. and you, know, like, you know, it doesn't stop the movie, but like this time I, w- I was like, wait, because he's, he's, he's such a, he's such a like consummate layabout in spider-man yeah like he's directionless he just doesn't want anything he's kind of an airhead he was studying that one time that's true he was studying that one time (laughs) he was in college like um through that movie remind me remind me in the first one pinpoint like when when harry and, and mj break up oh uh i kind of think they they don't really break up it it was like a um uh like like he sees them holding hands in aunt may's hospital room and Mm -hmm. i think it just sort of ends there because then he goes home to like bitch about it to norman right he's like i wasn't really there haven't been there for you have i you know oh that's right Yeah. yeah 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 so like it never he i don't think they ever officially break up it's just like he he reads the room (laughs) he reads the room uh, yeah. Thanksgiving doesn't help, right? Yeah, right. thanks for sticking up for me, Harry. Yeah, yeah, man. I, um, I, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, speaking of Harry, though, and MJ and like Thanksgiving and all that, I, I think the soap opera aspect of these movies are also what makes them really like compulsive to, yes. and propulsive. And why this also felt like such an event is because, you know, in addition to, to the whiz bang, you're like, oh, I really want to see what happens with Peter and MJ and Harry, like all that drama between them. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that there is. um it's interesting. So, so I think I think you know, in terms of of the 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 Harry of it all in this particular movie, I do think that his connection to Otto is nice. Like, I like that he's like, you know, oh, my friend's a big fan and <laughs> brings him around. Like, I think that all of that is cute. Yeah. Um. I I wonder if it wouldn't be like okay. So there's a part of me that is like, is he running the company or did the new board of directors just give him like a little R and D? area mm. and that's what this auto thing is and so he's like he's like if i if i succeed here then maybe i can like take over my 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 father's company um and like live up to his legacy or whatever but uh obviously that doesn't happen um <laughs> i like but, the idea that he's like a kid with a with a toy steering wheel yeah yeah because that's my thing is like i kind of miss that he's not in college like I understand that, like, you know, when you're rich, you don't have to go to college because um, mm-hmm. you're just going to, like, take over whatever your parents did. But, like, I I miss that he's not in college. I miss that, like, I wish <laughs> I, I love Peter's dumb little apartment, you know, uh, but I would love the idea of, like, Harry constantly just being like, just move in with me. I have this big you know, this big penthouse, like just, you know, just live yeah. here with me. Cause he would always do that in the comics. But, mm-hmm. um, I, I miss that he's in college because I like the idea of the, the, uh, the Oscorp stuff with Harry being literally like a college student being like, I'm going to take over the company. And they're like, sure, man. Uh, look, I'll let you, do your like, little R and D like internship or whatever because for your Norman. dad is yeah because your dad is who he was but like Jesus um you're just you're 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 a college kid like who cares because I feel like Oz like uh, Otto coming to Harry to get that thing um would be so much more pathetic if he was still very much a college student right. Yeah, but he's just yeah. rich, you know. Yeah, if he was like, "Oh, I can, I can woo this kid with like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a sun. I'm gonna tarnish the power of the sun in the palm of my hand, and yeah. renewable energy." And he's like, "Oh, this but even be- like later when he comes back and like he trades him for Spider Man, trades the new, the new one for Spider Man, the new, yeah, the new yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, that I think too would just be like the fact that he's coming after a college kid and be like, "Give me, I need more money. I need this other thing." I just think that there's it just shows like how pathetic Otto is in this moment. Mm-hmm. Like he is like desperate, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I like that. And if he is not in charge of Oscorp so that in the next movie, you know, when he's doing his goblin thing, he's still like a kid and is still like, or like just out of high, uh, college or whatever the situation is there. Um, and is, uh, uh, you know, and the, the the board still doesn't respect him and stuff like that. You can play a lot, or play around a lot with like, I don't know, uh, like he, him being like, I want to take this over 
to be like my dad and he's also being the goblin like his dad and like yeah and he's getting mad at the board like his dad did and it's like history repeating itself Mm -hmm. and i think you could have had a lot of fun playing with that in the third movie a little bit yeah that would have been good yeah I I also miss in, in hindsight because you know the movie's such a full experience. But in hindsight, I do miss the the trio aspect that we got in the first movie. Yeah, and I do. I think little moves like you know Harry's always throwing swanky, sexy parties in his New York apartment. Yep. That Peter's like studying and trying to avoid, and oh MJ's there, and like maybe Felicia Hardy's there, and like. Just kind of make the, yeah, like, but, you know, you and I have been talking about the swing in college years for forever. Well, I mean, that's, I I fully expect that that's what the next Spider-Man trilogy is going to be, the MCU trilogy. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be an adaptation of that era, Um, I would assume, I would hope. But, uh, yeah, I I agree with you. And, and, uh, you know, again, not that this movie needed any more characters it's very tight and i feel like you don't want to uh mess with the equilibrium too much um that being said yeah i kind of wish i wish you know joey max was back as flash in this but like yeah is like more of like just like a lovable part of the group you know just like right yeah 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 that, like that kind thing of a that jerk, ha- but also like kind of has a heart of gold that he didn't show off in the last movie, you know, because he's grown yeah. up a little bit and been put in his place a few times, you know. Right. Yeah. Like he's 19 now or 20. And yeah. Yeah. Like, the, like yeah, you, you he could be in the he could be at Empire U and just like still kind of, yeah, like you said, a jerk, but just a little more humanized. And also there is the thing of like now that you're in a when you're in a bigger pond, you sort of cling to the fish that, you know. Yep. And you're like, ah, like we grew up together. We went to Queens together. He's not so bad. Like, yeah. Yeah. And also, I, I just I love the idea of like jo- Joey Mags Flash being like the biggest Spider-Man fan in the world. Um, oh, hell yeah. I just think that that's so funny. Spider-Man's the coolest. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Oh, he's so fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> Cause, cause they do that with, uh, they, they, they do that with, with flash in the MCU, but he's more of like a, a sleaze ball. Than he's a an himbo. internet bully. Yeah. 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 And an influencer. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, it's a different, yeah, it's, it's a different mode. It's definitely the modern version of a bully, which I think is what they're going for. Sure. Um, as opposed to like amazing Spider-Man's flash, which is just Joey Mags again. Um, only like, uh, hey. like kind of, kind of has like a mild Eminem thing going on. If I remember correctly, that's kind of the story of those movies, which is like, well, I mean, they already perfected it in the last three. So, but they don't quite have the cojones to like do something new. Like he's an internet bully or like, you know, right. he's the kid from Grand Budapest Hotel, but as a bully, that's, you know, didn't see that coming. Yeah. It would have been really easy for them to merge Flash Thompson and Harry Osborn. That ver- yeah, for sure, for sure. Where he's yeah. just like he's just like a rich bully. He's a rich kid and he's a bully and he's an asshole and then at some point Peter does something because he's just he's Peter Parker who's yeah. not going to just not help somebody. He like helps him through something and then like becomes his friend. You know, he's like, yeah. oh, you're you're now the only real friend I have. 
you know? Yeah. That would have been a really yeah. interesting way to, like, take, I think, Harry and, and yeah, just merge him with Flash Thompson. I think that would have been a really cool take on the character. Yeah, because, like, they try to give Flash depth in the Amazing movie. I think he's only in the one. Yeah. He's like, hey, just so you know, like, my dad hits me probably. Or like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And and Andrew Garfield is like, okay, man, like, this is your last scene in the movie. I don't know what you want me to do with this information. <laughs> so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You bullied me. Yeah. Weird movies. Yeah, they are. <laughs> I, I, you know, okay. So you, you mentioned in the, before the, the behind the scenes stuff, how there are large gaps in this movie where there is no Spider-Man, there is no suit, there's no quote superhero action. Right. And we don't care. Right. And the opening moments of this movie, Raimi and McGuire and Bill Pope and Danny Elfman, they make you feel like minute, the second three of the movie, right? Mm -hmm. Peter, if you don't deliver these goddamn pizzas on time, you're going to lose (laughs) your job. Yes. Yes. And the movie's telling you this is just as important as anything Spider-Man related. Yes. Yeah. Because he's and desperate he's, to succeed at anything as Peter. Yes. Yeah. Well put. Like, yeah. Peter so needs a win. And and you're you're in it. I remember watching this for the first time. Yeah. Like, like the, the like the camera zooming in on the clock and the the the, the traffic and. Him like you know, yeah, he stole that guy's pizza, and like by the time yeah. he gets to the broom closet, you're just back to rooting for this kid 110. percent Yeah, I think the worst part about this sequence is, and and it's and it's so it's done it's so low key that you're not really connecting the two things, mm-hmm. but it's the fact that like after all of that, he goes home, he goes to to his aunt May's house, and it turns out it's his fucking birthday. Yeah. Like that is brutal. <laughs> yeah, it, you you kind of like replay the whole the whole day in your head, and you're like, oh fuck. Yeah, no wonder he wanted that win so bad. <laughs> it was his birthday. It's his fucking birthday, and it's it's sadder that he forgot. Right. Like that's how little his self worth is as Peter. Of like he's he, he didn't even wake up being like, oh today's my birthday. I'm, t- I'm 21 years old or whatever. Yeah, he woke up being like, oh, God, what do I have to do today? Uh, yeah. uh, Mr. Aziz is going to fire me. I have to do something right. I need to pay my rent. <laughs> Mr. Dickovich is like, yeah, probably, presumably what happens to him that we see happens has been happening to him every day for two years of like, yeah, avoiding Mr. Dickovich, it's barely scraping by at work, constantly letting down Mr. Aziz, constantly letting down Dr. Connors, constantly letting down... Uh, like MJ and Harry. Yeah. Jameson, he's barely hanging on. Yeah. Yeah. He's struggling big time. I mean, it doesn't help that Jameson is like vastly underpaying for these incredible photographs. Um, <laughs> oh, this little, his, his art portfolio. Yeah. Well, well, but like just the, the Spider-Man photographs where he's like, oh yeah, you know, even, even he says, I'll give you one fifty, And he was like three, three hundred. He's like, that's outrageous. Fine. Um, and I'm just like, oh man, you should have been like, well, 150, more like 1500. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's the evil genius of JJ. He, he, he's he's, I don't I don't want to say groomed incorrectly, but he's like like beaten Peter's, like his expectations are so low that even when Peter thinks he's 
He's he's negotiating. He's so far away from what he actually deserves that he's like, yeah. oh, 300? You got a deal, kid. You strike a hard bargain. Yeah, it's also Idiot. a thing where it's like, it's like, why aren't you selling spider pictures of Spider Man to every newspaper in New York, like, or or in the country, like, like why aren't you selling pictures of Spider Man to the Associated Press? You know, like, yeah, no, I I think that has to do with like, you know, I think the old Parker look is like a little bit self generated. Yeah, is he's too good of a guy. He's right. He's especially this version of him. He's too simple right. of a soul, right? Like, like the the broom closet thing. Every person in the on the planet watching this movie was like, "Peter, leave the brooms. Leave the fucking brooms. Just deliver the pizza." Yeah, but he has to fix his little mess that he made. Yeah, yeah. He is already late as soon as the the door opens that's, on that's that broom true. closet. Yeah. So, um, because isn't that a uh, uh, Parker Parker Industries in the comics, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that kind of doesn't someone be like, why haven't you ever done this before? Right. Yes. And then he He's does. Like, and it's like, oh, that's right. Because it's, oh, who was it? Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Somebody somebody says like, why? Well, I mean, Otto is literally being like, oh, I right. can't believe like you're you're so smart. Why wouldn't you have done this? So I'm going to do it for you um, as superior Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what he's taking over, uh, you know, Parker Industries. He's taking that over from getting his body back but as soon as he gets it back he like runs it into the ground immediately because he like one one you know crooked thing is going down in his company and he was like oh well i gotta i just gotta i gotta run the whole thing into the ground I was like, or, or you could just like take care of this one thing and keep the keep everything up on its feet i don't know yeah um yeah and that's and that, that's definitely something that I think um, I love about Tom Holland Spider-Man is they really capture that sense of like Peter is really good at creating his own biggest problems. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, like, don't don't make another don't don't change the past, Peter. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Also, uh, going back to like the iconic nature of these movies like those alex ross drawings in the opening credits they just go so uh, far into like because it's it's both like look at these iconic moments look at this huge epic movie we showed you last time strap in you're gonna get another one here we go but it's also like um uh, who's the who's the who's the painter who does like the americana stuff Oh, Norman um, Rockwell. Yeah, Rockwell. It's very Rockwell esque, you know. Like, um, I, I believe like Rockwell is probably um, Alex Ross is like number one influence. If I had to, oh guess. wow, because um, yeah. it just feels very all of his stuff mm-hmm. feels very Rockwell, but like on a on a superhero scale, you know. Yeah, like um, yeah, Norman Rockwell. There was a larger than life qual- a mythic quality, but like right. Not a yeah, like a mythic kind of like oh, like an America that maybe didn't ever exist, but it exists in in our collective memory, right, right. And I think that's what's going on with those with those paintings. But yeah, it just it goes it goes so far into like treating this film like an event. Yeah, like look at look at the mythic images that were burned all into all of our consciousness from the first movie, and now that yeah. you remember, now what? Welcome back, right. Right. Um, so, yeah, so we got uh, he gets uh, fired for Mr. Aziz. Um, Harry's, 
Yeah. Yeah. And he's 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 great in this. Uh, he's really great in evil. Um, nice. And uh, it, it's weird watching now because he's doing like the accent here and he has absolutely no accent, you know, um, and in yeah. evil. He's just like an American guy. <laughs> um, so it's yeah. it was just very strange. Um, it's very strange going back and watching him as Mr. Aziz after watching evil. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, so he gets fired. He goes to his birthday, his surprise birthday party. And, uh, you know, Harry is mad at him because he's hanging hey, out with buddy. Spider-Man. How's it going, yeah. bud? Happy birthday. Who the fuck is Spider-Man? You little dweeb. You better tell me yeah. who the fuck Spider-Man is. Hey, Harry. <laughs> Cannot wait. Yeah. That's that's the thing that's like very weird about about Harry in this movie is how he just drifts so hard back and forth to a point where like I almost kind of wish that they had played with that a little bit more to like establish the sort of like goblin yeah. Thing. Well, cuz now now that I think about it, it kind of makes three a lateral move because he he is he's, he's practically a secondary villain in this one. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um it's but it's it's interesting though because like it's all just Peter Harry drama. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't change in the third one. Like No. Like yeah, he has goblin serum, but like literally their arc in that movie is just about their friendship. It has, he doesn't have any like grander, like villainous plans. No, he doesn't want to hold the power of the sun in the palm of his hand. Right. Right. He just, he just wants to uh, kill uh, Peter for killing his father. Um, Which is the only thing he wanted in the second one. Right. That's true. That's true. Only now he has superpowers. Um, I have nothing left except for Spider-Man. Yeah, we'll talk about that in the next one. But in no, this sure. one, yeah, I do I do think that there is it, 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 he turns on a dime so often in this movie where he's just like Peter's goofy best friend, you know, and then Why don't you go talk to MJ, buddy? She's in the kitchen waiting for you like Yeah. And then he'll fucking uh drink a little champagne and slap him in the face twice. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And yeah. It's too much. I mean like I mean it, I think it worked. No, I don't know. Because, yeah, because, like, it, 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 I keep thinking about, like, imagine if, like, Ned turned bad. Yeah. That would feel huge. Yeah. To be dead. For Ned, imagine Ned slapping Peter in the face. Yes. You're like, whoa, dude. Whole what? But, like, yeah. it, I don't, yeah. I, I, I think they, 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 they vibe shift too hard in this one where he's just immediately a, a dick. Yeah. I wish he was less angry and more sad yeah like he's mourning he's in grief his dad's dead and he doesn't know why and like yeah he was killed right i wish there was like more of a mystery i wish he didn't assume that spider-man killed his father i know that was pre-established in the first one but like it would be cool if that wasn't what they that isn't the move that they went for and then it wasn't until he starts seeing his father at the end of yeah. this movie, that he's like, you know, who killed me. He stabbed Spider-Man me killed me. Yeah, because is... then, because like, imagine, imagine Spider-Man Two, where the whole time Harry's just this like sad kid grieving his dad. He doesn't know why he died. He was killed. Spider-Man delivered his body and was maybe like, sorry, Mister Osborne. Like uh, he 
he he fell or something, you know. Yeah. And, and the whole time he's like, "Oh God, I just want to know what happened to him, please." I, if, God, I just wish. And and Peter is like, "Oh God, I know exactly why, but I can't tell him because yeah, I made a promise. Norm, I made a promise." Yeah. And, and then at the end of the second one, he's like, "Oh my God, you knew this whole time, and you didn't tell me. You killed my dad. I'm gonna kill you." Yes. Yes. Yeah. I feel like it's it's a little bit more of like a like a like a slow boil in yeah. that way instead of this, which is like it constantly boils over and somebody's like quickly trying to turn down the heat on the stove. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh shit! Oh shit! He's already slapping him. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> because the important thing is you know for this second movie you need Peter to feel alone. Yes. And isolate. And I think that does that of like, oh, God, like I'm keeping this huge secret from my best buddy, Harry. And right. so I can't. And so Harry is like, why are you? I feel like you're I need you more than ever because I'm grieving and you're my best friend. But like you're keeping yourself at arm's length. And that's hurting me even more than losing my dad. And Peter's like, oh, I'm the worst. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. That's good. I I also yeah and I and I and I like that too in terms of like him finding out that Peter is Spider-Man and then yeah making all of those connections I think that's all really good stuff. Um whereas this is a little like I like it but I yeah. I do think it could be stronger but I just I also just don't think you know based on all the development stuff we talked about I don't think it was a focus for them. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like, we're talking like they had months to write this. Yes. <laughs> right. Because um, when he pulls off the mask, he's now he's already mad at both Peter and Spider-Man. So now he's just mad at the same person. Yeah. Like, there isn't really a, a change. Right. Um, There's this line to go back to Harry, Peter's birthday party. Um, yeah. When, you know, Peter notices... Aunt May's foreclosure notice. Um, yeah. I mean, okay. I mean, I break it down. When she, he, he wakes her up, she touches her hand, and she calls out for Uncle Ben. Right. Like, I'm crying five minutes into the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and she has that great line, like, I'm, 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 I'm behind. Everybody is. Yeah. And I think that speaks to the world that this movie is. Where, like, this is a world where everyone's just barely scraping by. Right. 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 It's it's an interesting thing because I think that like what it's trying to suggest, I think I think one of the one of the things that doesn't do um, one of the 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 uh, pieces of this that doesn't go go as strongly as I would like to see um, mm. for that for this theme that I'm about to talk about is is Mary Jane's storyline in this. Yeah, because it really seems like everything's coming up. Mary Jane in this movie. Big time. Um right. <laughs> Everything seems to be working out really great for her. The, mo- the um, movie opens and she's on a L'Oreal billboard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's she's a she's a a lead character in a in a Broadway hit Broadway play. Um, she's about to marry an astronaut. You know, things seem to be <laughs> working out pretty well for her. Yeah. Um, but uh, with with Harry, you know, struggling and Aunt May struggling. I think what like what that's supposed to play is like it's like the world is trying to teach Peter that like everybody's struggling. Like it's yeah. it's not just because you're struggling that it's not because of Spider-Man, it's because everybody's struggling. Like 
everybody everybody struggles just to exist in the world anymore you know yeah i mean like yeah. go, go i mean i could i can make a list i mean like mr dickovich needs his rent right ursula is constantly like tripping and, and burning stuff and just trying to like keep it together yeah jj jjj yeah. J, J, J is like going bankrupt because of his son's wedding <laughs> yeah yeah but like yeah everybody everybody is is struggling with stuff i mean otto certainly struggling um (laughs) and and and, you know i the thing that peter has to sort of learn is that like you're you're gonna struggle everybody struggles but they don't have what you have which is this gift to give the world um Mm. and you could yes you're gonna struggle but also you could Use your power to help others struggle a little less. And that's kind of cool. And I like that in terms of like a sacrifice thing. It's like you have this responsibility. Like, yeah, the the, great with great power comes responsibility. But with responsibility comes sacrifice. Like with both of those things comes sacrifice. You don't get to use your great power responsibly without turning your back on a few things that you can't focus on anymore you know right yeah yeah i mean to, to, to skip way ahead aunt may when when she is making her sacrifice of selling her her and ben's home right because she has to she has to downsize because that's the world that she lives in she's yeah. an old woman she's lives in an ex, you know she, she can't she just she has to do this there's no option and she tells peter like sometimes we have to put aside stuff even when it's our dreams yeah and he's like, oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's response. <laughs> you gotta, you, you gotta do what you gotta do, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, it, it's just so clean, you know? And I, and I, I do wish that, that uh, Mary, Mary Jane is maybe like a struggling with something in this because the only thing that she's struggling with is like, man, I really like this Peter guy, but, uh, oh, the astronaut. But but yeah, like I don't, you know, I guess I guess better better the astronaut than than nothing. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, because uh, because like you know, there's that scene where they find themselves again back in their backyards. You know, her, you know, the fence, and yeah, I was I completely forgot. I mean, I I remember that she marries, she's engaged to the astronaut, but when she's like, you know, caressing his face with her hand, and. Is like ah, oh, Pete. Oh, by the way, I'm engaged to an astronaut. It, it, right. It it can't help but feel like the astronaut is like a consolation prize. Yeah. And I don't like I yeah like, like you said I I I I think she deserves to be in the shit just like everyone else in this movie like still being a struggling actress yeah. or like maybe the play gets bad reviews or maybe she gets like replaced I, or something. I kind of wish they had just used her storyline that they used for Spider-Man three in this one. Yeah. Where she yeah. gets like fired from her musical or whatever, you know? Oh, that'd be cool. Cause then you kind of sync the two of them up because in three, he's on top of the world as Peter and Spider-Man. And then <clears throat> she could also be like, I'm on the billboard. I'm on Broadway. This is great. We, we made it tiger. Like we're both on top of the world. And then, yeah, you know, the movie humbles both of them. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like how I like how we started we started talking about how this was like the greatest movie ever made and now we're kind of we're slowly kind of like script doctoring it and making it better. Well, I mean, you know, that we I think it's good. I think it's a good thing. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's fun. Um, it's fun to talk yeah. about this stuff. Like, I, I wouldn't change a word of this. I mean, you know, that's right. that's at the end of the day, if somebody was like, here's here's your here, here's your wish. But the only thing you can wish is this one thing um, you can, you can fix what's wrong with Spider-Man 2. And I would be like, <laughs> get lost, mister. I like Buzz this off. the way it is. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but it is interesting. It is fun to th- because this is such a rich world that Ditko and Ramita and Lee and all Bendis and all these brilliant creative people. You can't help but like, be like oh, but this uh, this 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 was really good though in the yeah. comics. You know. Well, I mean, one of the things that we came to the conclusion of uh, on Spider Man Minute while covering it a minute at the time is that the entire train sequence serves no purpose whatsoever to the <laughs> plot of the movie. Yeah, because what is Otto? What is Otto's plan? He needs to get Spider Man. How does he do that? He takes over a train and makes it out of control, forcing Spider Man to stop the train, and then like it's very elaborate, a a very elaborate. Like it it is no plan, Um, and so it's just uh, yeah. It's like you could have just you know, grabbed him and like threw him somewhere. And yeah. And like with a movie written, not in the circumstances, not in the circumstances that this was written in, you know, flying by the seat of your pants, get it done yesterday. We're already behind. Yeah. If they would have stopped and been like, you know, this doesn't do anything narratively, but then we wouldn't get maybe the greatest set piece in superhero cinema. Exactly. This movie, the reason this movie is so good is because it, 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 the entire movie hinges on uh on on vibes like it, mm-hmm. it it's just like what would feel right here let's do that um does it make any sense we don't have time to think about it you know yeah yeah <laughs> for sure and like yeah. especially as plot heavy as spider-man movies become in the future um yeah but then like that's what i love about the watts movies too or the vibes that's true. It, it has a very specific uh, vibe that I am. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's. I guess it's the same screenwriters that are that are writing the fourth one. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I, Chris McKenna and Eric Summers, I think, are writing the fourth mm-hmm. one. It'll. Be, I'll be interested to see if the new director like switches up like the vibes. Like, is it going to yeah. be that still like kind of faux improv, improv right. vibe, or are they going to go for something different with these ones? I don't know. It'll be interesting. <laughs> I mean, uh, so I guess now's a good time to bring up, um, you know, there, there was this great Patrick Willems video about like the supporting cast of New York. Yeah. And it has to be said, like every single character that Peter comes across in this movie feels like a real person. Yeah. Whether it's Joel McHale, the bank teller, Hal Sparks in the elevator yeah it's i was like i every time i watch this movie i'm like is greg kinnear gonna show up so they can just get the talk soup triple crown <laughs> yeah oh man uh, so close <laughs> so close greg greg kinnear could have played uh dr connors easily oh for sure oh that's yeah. great um especially considering he never becomes the lizard yeah definitely you could have put yeah greg kinnear in oh. there great but yeah. uh, you know it's funny because like one of my favorite little because you know i think about how like going back to like Raimi filling this movie with love is just like you know making a movie is like a really arduous every single thing you see in a movie took like eight hours to shoot and 
sometimes like when I'm watching a movie or like on a set of something, I'm always like, oh man, all that actor had got to do was like open a door, but right. they had to open that door like 800 times. But in a Sam Raimi movie, you're not just a doctor telling Peter to go Ah, You get to have this really human, beautiful moment with this kid. Yeah. And, like, it's, and then it's, you get yeah, to be like a cool doctor who likes the grateful death. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And yeah, like those little idiosyncratic, like, oh, who's, what's this guy's story? You know? Yeah. And yeah. it just makes the world, because you never, because like the world's so mean to Peter that every, that's how, isn't that how life is though? Mm-hmm. Where like, you're getting your ass handed to you every day, all day. And then like one person that lives in your building offers you a cup, a cup of milk and a piece of cake for no reason at all. Yeah. And it just feels like a light from heaven. Yeah. I will say um, when that happens, all I was just thinking about was like, I, you know, as you were talking um, just now, yeah. I was just thinking about how the doctor already did this. And so it was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, like you, you already got help once. I guess he gave him bad advice. And then like Ursula just gives him no advice. Just gives him like, you know, warmth, a warmth. Yeah. A hug in the form of a slice of chocolate cake. I was so surprised at how small that scene was because it, I mean, you ever, you still remember Ursula. Yeah. Everybody does. You know how many, I mean, you can, you throw, throw a, throw a rock and you can find a meme where somebody's being like, I'll tell you the real truth. He should have went with that Ursula girl, not yeah. Mary Jane, For uh, sure. that yeah. harlot, um, you know, like, <laughs> that tramp, that hussy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because of, because of what she does in Spider-Man three, people are just like, I ah, shouldn't have, he just said, have been, yeah. you know, kicked her to the curb and Yeah. Broom her fast. Sure. <laughs> Broom her fast. <laughs> oh man! And I, I, that, 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 the cake, the cake scene. I, I couldn't help but be like, oh, would this get cut in a, in a quote more technically? Like, oh, well, this isn't moving the plot forward. But like, oh yeah, yeah. But like, you, because you, like, you, it doesn't do two things. That's that's the thing. It's like it's it's one of those all the Marvel like all the all the MCU movies like very much are in that like every scene's got to do two things or it gets cut. Sure. Yeah. Pull your uh, weight. Yeah. Pull, pull your weight like this. This would get cut. Um, but but again, and it, and I don't even think it I've thought about this scene a lot. You know, I mean, we did we did the movies by minute thing with this yeah. and, and everything. But like I've thought about this scene a lot and I don't think I've ever been fully content with what this scene does on a character level, on a plot level. Like I've mm-hmm. never really understood it yeah but i'll say this and again this this all goes back to like how this this movie was made it feels right Mm -hmm. it it, it's like no no no, the movie needs something like this here and this is what they came up with and it's sweet and it's and it's great and i love i love the scene as long as I'm not like thinking too hard about it, about like sure. what what is the meaning of all of this, you know? But yeah. like, but it it just feels right. It needs this little like Peter just needs a little piece and a little wind, um, mm-hmm. and and somebody to just see him as a human being for a second, and yeah. it's just enough to like get his energy back and and go back out there and do his thing. But it, 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 you know, when you're looking at it 
as like a song, the movie as a song, like, yeah, it needs this little, this little like bridge before we get to like the next chorus, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And the movie wouldn't feel right without a moment like this. It would feel too relentless. It needs ebbs and flows. And this is, this is an ebb and it needs this, you know? Yeah, for sure. And it's like, God bless. Yeah. Ramey or, or Sergeant or whoever it was to like catch this moment and being like, I think this is, I think, yeah. Ursula. Like, yeah. And I think going back to what I said in like the Spider-Man, the the first podcast where it's like, you are with this dude every step of the way. Mm -hmm. I think subconsciously the audience sort of is Peter. And yeah. so like you're with him emotionally that you're kind of experienced almost like first person and yeah. you're catching him every time an hors d'oeuvre gets taken away. Yeah. You're like what the fuck? Give the guy an hors d'oeuvre. Come on, man. <laughs> Give the guy a break. Yeah. He gets, yeah. He finally yeah, and, gets a break. It's yeah. So, and then like we, and I think that's why, you know, you remember like, Oh, she should have been with Ursula because like you felt that cake, you felt that kindness. Right. And you're like that was a nice lady. <laughs> yeah, that was that was nice. Maybe he should kiss her. <laughs> yeah, and that that reminds me of the train scene of like, I think the most you know the most important part of the train scene is the part where he is unmasked and right. you know oh my god he's just a kid no older than my son. Uh, we won't we won't tell nobody. You know it's so earnest and yeah, and I think like the Peter. They never put a point on it. No one ever says this, but like Peter needs to, it gives Peter a reason to fight for this city. Mm -hmm. It's like faith rewarded. It's like, oh, this is why I do this because this is who I'm fighting for every day. It's the people in these, in this train. Well, and it's, and it's, I think, yes. And I also think it's important to point out that every New Yorker that we've met has been mean to him. Right. In this movie yeah. up to this point. Mm -hmm. um, like, you know, you've got you've got the guy who's like, hey, that he stole that guy's pizza. And <laughs> yeah. you've got the guy who tries to steal the pizza out of the box. Right. right? Uh, Emily Deschanel. It, yeah. You've got and then you've got. Yeah. Emily. Emily Deschanel. Uh, I'm not paying for those. Um, <laughs> one of the best line deliveries, I swear. <laughs> and then you have, you know, Hal Sparks. Who like seems like he's gonna be nice, and then the second that Spider Man opens up to him, he's just like, "Weirdo, okay," yeah. and just like, "Get me the, <laughs> get me out of here," you know, and yeah, just like yeah. makes it awkward. And and you've got yeah, he goes to the party, and everyone's taking the hors d'oeuvres away, and he's getting empty drink glasses, and you know, the guy can't even get a break to get a free drink, you know, um, yeah. after after a hard day, and like, it's it's like every sort of like generic New Yorker he meets up until that train section mm -hmm. are all like mean to him or dismissive of him or don't see him at all. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so when he's finally seen by these New Yorkers and they protect him. Yeah, I do. I, I think you're 100% right. Like, I think that's what hits it so hard for him. It's like, Oh, that's this. This is why I do this. I, I, I do this for these guys. Like, you know, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. It, I think it goes back to what you were saying of like the, the gift of being Spider-Man is like moments like this where he's like, oh, my God, I saw the best in these totals. These strangers were willing to die to protect right. me. Right. Like this is I have to I can't stop being Spider-Man, you know? Right. Right. 
Um, it's and, easy. And, you know, that's the thing. It's like it's easy to think the world is against you when, you know, everything in your life is going wrong. But yeah, the yeah. reality is just that, like, you're, you, you know, luck. It's just it's life, just bad luck. You know, life isn't fair. Like, yeah, life isn't fair. And, and sometimes you're going to go months without meeting like a nice stranger. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes yeah. that happens, you know, and that's a big part of life after high school Mm -hmm. when you're thrown off when you're just thrown into the adult pool all of a sudden and suddenly no one's talking to you like a kid anymore they're like hey asshole up move you're late right you're fired right Right. you're like i'm 19 like what the fuck (laughs) yeah yeah um (sighs) and i think like yeah, like I don't know, there's a part in the where he where he saves the little girl in the fire, but then the fireman's like, "Oh, one poor soul didn't right. make it." And right. everyone in this movie has a soul. Yeah. So you you, it, you feel it. You're like, "Oh, that was a person." Like, yeah. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. That one hurts every time a little bit, and you mm. don't even know who they are. You never see them. Yeah. You know, but it's uh, it's 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 definitely upsetting. Um. It's I I think it's so important that Peter Parker did that. Mm-hmm. Um save that little girl. To be it's basically like his you know, uh who who is Iron Man without the suit kind of for moment. sure. Yeah. 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 Just to show like okay, he doesn't need to have the suit on to be Peter. Right. And and indeed, you know, the, 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 the moment on the train is a moment where they see Peter and Spider-Man as one being. Right. Right. They're like, um, oh, he's a he's a guy. He's a person. Yeah. That one that that always ki- uh, kills me because he's always he's always like, oh, no, they can see my face. And they're like, we won't tell anybody. Tell them what? That he's a white kid with brown hair. Like, <laughs> Come on, like what are you, you can- what are you going to tell? No one knows who Peter Parker is. <laughs> I have no idea who this is. Yeah, yes, it's a it's a hundred percent that Justice League Unlimited joke. Yes, absolutely. Oh uh, uh, man, yeah, because because you're like, oh, he's he's just like a a dude. He's just some kid. You're like you know, I guess that's the big revelation. But like, is that is that what they're not telling people? Is that like, yeah, yeah, we won't tell anyone that you're just a child. <laughs> like Scott, like you know, can you from memory like just d- d- describe the last waiter you had? You know, I don't even remember where I had my last waiter. Like when I, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, that's, right. it's gone. It's out of my brain. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that I mean, I, I tell that to myself whenever I have like an awkward moment with a person of like, yeah. that person's not going to, that person's already forgotten what you look like, you know? Right. 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 Um, I think, I think a lot of what we're talking about, though, like the one poor, you know, like, oh, some poor soul didn't make it or every hors d'oeuvre taken out of like Tobey Maguire's face in this movie. Yeah. Is exquisite. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, He's also like continuously tortured by Sam Raimi throughout this one. Way more than the first one. Um, yeah. Because the first one, it was like, <laughs> it was like, hey, we're partners in this. I can't do this hey, without you. You know, like you're my lot in life. You're the, you know, you're 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 my movie star. Like, love, you know, whatever. And then this one, he was like, oh, so you you thought you were gonna get out of doing this movie, huh, jackass? Well, yeah, 
<laughs> Raimi's waiting for you. I got yeah, you I for picked, three minutes. <laughs> three minutes of playtime. <laughs> yeah. And he just, he hits him over the head with like, <laughs> like four backpacks and like, you know, just. Throws him I mean, off a building. Yeah, it's brutal. It's brutal. Yeah, I think um, I can yeah, almost imagine throws, throws him off a building to make fun of his sea biscuit injury. You know, yeah, like just dummy, he fell off a horse. <laughs> Go back to your fucking horse movie. <laughs> I can I can almost picture Bruce Campbell being like, you know, he likes you now. Like <laughs> you're you're his friend. Yeah, yeah. Look out, <laughs> I'm his best friend. <laughs> I'm his best friend. I've got and the he... scars to prove it. <laughs> you beat the shit out of me. <laughs> that's so but i wasn't a willing participant i, was, I didn't want to i didn't want it <laughs> that's so uh, funny we've been talking about what a sweetheart he is and, and, and what a sweetie pie but then he does have this really demented sense of humor yeah that three stooges sense of humor he's got yeah, yeah. or you know what i was thinking is like this is kind of unfortunately this is the closest we've gotten to a raimi monster movie Oh yeah. Well, maybe Darkman. Ooh, good. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um may- maybe Darkman, but this is this is up there as well. Um for sure. Uh cuz like yeah, we haven't even talked about all the Dr. Octopus stuff. Um Yeah. <sighs> oh yeah, cuz like you know the, the famous hospital scene, but like right. even like you know the moment where he like wakes up and he's like no and the tentacles are screaming no with him, like that is yeah. like Mary Shelley, James Whale you know oh yeah well and then there's there's stuff like every time we visit harry in the penthouse there's like lightning and thunder. i love the lightning yeah yeah that it's was the great. best it's a fucking movie you know yeah. like that's that's what i love about it why is why why is there a thunderstorm right now i don't fucking it's a movie it's cool like yeah, the crackling fire in the fireplace yeah. oh man it's so good the 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 maker's mark product placement yeah. Oh, you know what else was like? I was like, oh, we're watching a movie. Is at the very end when it's the the chapel and you see people running to the to get to the church on time. Yeah. You know, like that's a that only that's a movie. You know. Yeah. That that that. Yeah. People don't. People definitely don't show up uh, late to anybody's wedding and like <laughs> interrupt. <laughs> The, the yeah. wedding as people are walking and and yeah, so, yeah that 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 happened at my wedding. Um, <laughs> that's yeah. Back. <laughs> yeah um but uh uh yeah like i just i love all of that stuff because that's what that's what movies are you know like yeah um i i miss that like you know going back to uh the guardians three of it all that we were talking about you know i rewatched all the guardians movies up up before um this new mm-hmm. one and uh the thing that i was really struck with the third one was just that like it felt more like a real movie than the second one did because the mm. second one was like 90% on green screen. Like right. so much of it was just them standing in an empty room on a green screen. Um, right. It like was pretty much all of ego. Yeah. It was, it was rough. It was, it was rough. It was hard to connect with. Whereas like the first one and the third one are so much more practical. Um, yeah. They're and in like real. You can feel it. And this movie is is exactly the same way. Do I know exactly where all of these backlots are that they <laughs> shot all this New York stuff? You're goddamn right I do. But, like, I love that. I just think it's so fun. Yeah. I think this movie took place because I, I don't want to give Columbia, like, you know, this at the time, this was the state of the art, big 
mega blockbuster, all the bells and whistles, spare no expense. But because of time, we weren't in a play. You know, green screen looked like Spy Kids 3. Right. And so they had to shoot in lots. And so little moments like, you know, there's a part where Spider-Man like kicks Doc Ock or punches Doc Ock and he flies and he hits the, he hits the, the, the bumper of a cab. Yeah. And you feel the weight of like, that was a real cab that got smushed. And, yeah. And just like, yeah, the New York, it just feels like a real, cause we were in this sweet little nexus point where they couldn't rely fully on green screen and stuff. Right. Right. And and all that backlot stuff, I think it does a lot to like the vibes and and the tone yeah. and and making this feel like a movie movie, making it feel like a picture, you know, mm-hmm. because everything is larger than life, and I think it looks I think it looks great, but I I also think that backlots kind of only look good on film. Mm-hmm. Like I I think as soon as digital photography took over. I don't. I just don't think that backlots hold up. They they shot the the uh, quantum leap pilot, the new one, on mm-hmm. digital on a backlot, and it is. I mean, it looks like dog shit. It looks awful. <laughs> it's like it's like oh, I suddenly understand why everyone complains about backlots and how they think it looks fake because it does on digital. On film, right. it looks larger than life. It looks epic it looks yeah, like, like a dream. what you imagine like, new york to yeah. look like not what it actually looks like but what you imagine in your in your your wildest dreams what new york this romantic version of new york looks like yeah. and that's movies to me whereas you know it's it's fun right. to shoot on location but i do think that you you miss out on stuff it's the reason why like of of the three uh the the three dark knight movies batman begins is my favorite because it's Gotham is fake. It's not a real city. And yeah. I love that they didn't even bother trying to make it look like a real city. And then suddenly in the dark night, it's just Chicago. And it's like, well, yeah, this is clearly Chicago. He, like, I don't. It's Chicago. Know. Yeah. Yeah. And like then he, it's clearly Philadelphia in the next one or Pittsburgh right. or wherever it was. Yeah. I think it's Pittsburgh. Yeah. But, Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah. Batman Begins just hits that sweet spot where you get you get the you get the realism. You get the humanity. You really feel like Bruce is a real dude. Yeah. And it's it's not a joke like the Joel Schumacher movies, which aren't right. as bad as we remember them being, but it also still feels like a comic book. Right, right. And Gotham feels like a fictional place. Um, oh, and I love that. Uh, I don't know which I, begins, geez. I know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just, I love I love those vibes and, and mm-hmm. I miss them in movies. And I, I wish that like, I think the worst thing that these, and we'll see what, what, what Superman Legacy looks like, but like, yeah. The worst thing that DC, I think, could do, DC Studios, is shoot on location or, God forbid, like shoot in Toronto for like or Metropolis Atlanta, yeah. or whatever. I, I feel like they should come up with a, 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 an architectural story and say, this is what Metropolis looks like. It's this era of architecture. This is what Central City looks like. Central City's this era of architecture. Mm-hmm. Just to give each fictional city a a sense of of personality. Ooh, you know? That that's a good point cuz that's a key feature, you know, like the comics Marvel famously like all of it's in New York. It's either right. or it's West Coast, right. you know? But like it matters that the Flash has Central City. It matters that Batman has Gotham. It matters that Superman has Metropolis. So like, right. Those need to be the, those deserve to be characters. Yeah. In their own. I, right. 
I just want to see them lean into the fantasy of mm-hmm. the DC universe because that's what separates it from from Marvel. You know, yeah. um, uh, nowhere is a good setting in Guardians Three. Nowhere fucking rules. Um, yeah. fucking rules. I, I never. I was like, where? When is the theme park of this opening? Like, I want this. Yeah. Land. I want nowhere land. That's what I want. You know, you know what nowhere has in common. Guardians Three has in common with this movie is like a little little detail is like, like, uh, you know, it's, I don't know why I'm doing spoilers for Guardians. In my mind, it just came out, but you know, there's like early on, there's a big action sequence that happens in nowhere where the Guardians are getting their asses kicked, and the the denizens, the citizens of nowhere, are reacting to it. Yeah, they're like, no, stop hurting Nebula. Nebula's our friend. We like. Oh no, like yeah. It it just made everything feel more alive. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's 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 uh, it's so good. Um but yeah. <laughs> but but it all goes back to that sort of um theatricality and and all of that which again like leans into the monster movie aesthetic and and mm-hmm. the universal the the whole universal monsters sort of tradition that all of this Doc Ock stuff is coming from. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's an aspect that I think is really interesting because it's something he plays with, Raimi plays with in all three, right? Right. The first one, you know, the goblin origin, Mm -hmm. that's total like Frankenstein for sure story or like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, you know, the like, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde sort of Frankenstein kind of vibes. This one. Um, there's also definitely some Frankenstein vibes, but there's also like a little invisible man, a little, a little, oh, yeah. uh, you know, uh, a little, um, what's the, what's the other thing that I'm thinking of? Um, kind of fan oh, of little the wolf man, little wolf, wolf man. man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, of just like him waking up, seeing the havoc that he's right. Right. You know, yeah, brought to this no. room of of people and he's just like no what have i done you know yeah um it's happening again you know like <laughs> it's that kind of thing and and then in the next one you know we'll we'll talk about it but like sandman's like total like bride of frankenstein kind of character yeah the, the tragedy of him like trying to like wake up and and the you know loving or his daughter and not you know but then there's also like more than a little bit of the mummy also so that's true you know right. yeah yeah, so I, it, it, it's. I think that's really interesting that that's what he does with these villains. It's like he he turns them into like universal monsters, mm-hmm. and we love the universal monsters. Yeah, and like I think for a lot of the same reason is like they do horrific things, but we see the pathos and the pain behind them. Yeah, and you know, I mean, Alfred Molina. I had kind of a revelation watching this, Scott. Um, I think, Alfred. I think Alfred Molina's performance in this movie was the first time I was ever inspired by a performance. Wow. Like I had seen, you know, good movies and good performances, but I think like that watching him, you know, I remember that scene where he's like trying to will himself out of the control of the tentacles. And he's like, listen to me. That's another moment that felt huge in my head. And then I'm like, wow, he really only, it's only like a beat. Yeah. Yeah. But like I I really remember being like, oh fuck, like acting. Is that what acting can be? Right, right. Yeah. Man. I can't I can't tell you how many times I've I've said that to my cats. <laughs> Listen to me now. 
Uh, they are cats, aren't they? The tentacles. <laughs> I, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Because they have like uh, a mind of their own, you know. A genius, genius decision to have them each have like little mini, not gimmicks, but just enough of a personality. You know, their little mouths and the little, yeah. they can, they somehow are able to display anger and tenderness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's great. And I love the, 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 that they're practical. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I love that aspect. I know like some of it doesn't quite hold up. Um, some of the practical stuff, like when it's like wrapped around Spider-Man's head, it's a yeah. little like, okay. I mean, that's, it's a pretty, <laughs> they're obviously not grabbing for you. You're just shaking them a little bit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's, it's very silly. Um, but I, I still, I like that they really exist, you know, and I like that mm. he could like interact with them because they're like puppets. Um, yeah. I just, I think that that's, I think it's so cool. Oh yeah. It's very, invi- Invisible Man's a good pull though, because I remember, you remember hit the tentacle, like tipping his little hat mm-hmm. or lighting, lighting a cigar for him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's also like his outfit is very Invisible Man, you mm, know, the glasses. Yeah. I mean, Dark Man is certainly inspired by the Invisible Man. So right. um, I wouldn't be surprised if if the Invisible Man is like low key, like Sam Raimi's favorite universal monster, because it seems like he returns to the iconography of that a lot. Yeah. And the Invisible Man's a, a, like he's an asshole. He's a jerk. Right. 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 Yeah. Total. Totally. Um, and he loves that, too. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I what do you think because I was you know we you know having just watched Spider-Man last week I found myself thinking comparing Otto to Norman as a villain mm-hmm. and like what 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 is one doing that the other one doesn't do and like he is a bit more gentlemanly and mischievous than like Goblin was like sadistic and psychotic right right um I mean, I I think to me, I think the difference is just that they're they're representing different parts of 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 Peter's psyche. I guess mm, you know, as we yeah. talked about last week, Norman is is all power, no responsibility. Right? This is what this looks like. You what 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 you have if it goes wrong, this is what it looks like. This is what you yeah. would become. Right? Whereas, um, you know, with with Otto, it is going back to that sort of uh cost and sacrifice um uh, thing and i definitely think that it it they do a, a really good job of of bringing all the strings together yeah. but it isn't quite as tight as you know as as yeah. the norman one was yeah like i know i yeah. just said all that stuff about alfred molina and doc ock and that's true and he's and he's and he's brilliant in this movie but by the end i was like fuck it's just hard to top Norman and yeah. Defoe and the Goblin. It's just so perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think they do a really good job of making his story so much different than right. Norman's, right? Like mm. his 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 uh, evil plot isn't evil. Like he's literally trying to help the world, but like doesn't know how to do it properly you know yeah or the part um, thing, oh the, the real crime would be to let this go to waste and not do this like this opportunity you know right right yeah so you know i i i like how i also like how he has no power so right. like he he actually has to work under an os under harry in a lot of mm-hmm. ways 
Um, he has to make a deal with Harry to like get what he wants. Uh, you know, it, it is very, very different. Um, and they try to go different with the next one, but I, I feel like, I mean, we'll talk about it, but it's, it's complicated by the fact that like, I don't know. Well, Flint, Flint Marco means nothing to Peter prior to him being Sandman or, or, or prior, prior to learning like who Flint, Mar- well, you know what Flint Marco did. But like, right, right. There's there's no like Rosie. I love this boy. You know, make right. him, you know, right. uh, make him some coffee. Like we don't get and, that. And, and he's not going to be as well rounded as as Norman and Otto because the whole movie's not about him. Right. The whole movie also has to like split focus with like, um, with with uh with with Eddie and and the symbiote because like mm-hmm. I I'll talk about this next week but the symbiote is the actual villain of Spider Man three and everyone mm-hmm. else is obstacles, um right yeah uh but the actual villain is the symbiote um you know we'll talk about that next week and uh but 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 here you know it's it's I think Otto is a really interesting character and like I like how they dance around his arrogance. Where he's arrogant enough to think like, oh, well, I'll get it right the second time. Um, yeah. You know, but he's not like a bad guy. He's just a little arrogant. He's a little like he can't see that he failed. He, he yeah. can't accept that because if he accepts that, then his whole life was without purpose. And mm-hmm. he can't accept that. And And if he accepts that, then Rosie died in vain, which he also can't accept. No, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's he's struggling with yeah, realizing that he just needs to make the sacrifice and and yes, uh, yeah, let go of his dream, you know? And it takes because Peter for, for the betterment of mankind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like God, yeah, I think yeah, there's that scene where he snaps out of it. That's it's really subtle too. It's not as it's not as drastic as like Norman and Goblin, but like Yeah. When he's like Peter <laughs> Brilliant, but lazy. I love that. But he says, he says, he he says, Peter Parker. And then he he gets this look on his face. Brilliant, but lazy. And he's like, yeah, okay, great. And Fuck, dude. Every, like, every, like, Jesus Christ, look around you. <laughs> yeah, all right, great. Yeah, very funny. Good, great callback. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that, 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 that reminds me of the moment where, where Harry's like, you killed my dad. And Peter's like, dude. <laughs> Yeah, you're right, but like big, bigger, bigger <laughs> stuff. He's he's about to make the sun in the Hudson. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, you know, from from that perspective, it's like it, th- this one. You know, I, I think the auto thing. They try a couple of things to mm-hmm. connect him back to Peter. A few things. One auto represents something that he's always wanted. He's a scientist like he wants to be. He has he's with the love of his life, who's this like supportive, like perfect, you know, angel, mm-hmm. maybe a little too much. Um, yeah. But, you know, eh, it is what it is. But yeah, like that's that's what it is. He represents this thing that like Peter's like, I want this. This is what I've always wanted. This is what I've always wanted my life to be. I didn't want to be Spider-Man. I wanted this. Um, right, I wanted yeah. that to be Mary Jane and I wanted to be doing the science thing. And like, this is perfect. And then they, they do the thing with the, with the sacrifice that, that Aunt May 
uh, talks about, which he, but, but that ends up not really, that does end up being a lesson that Peter has to learn, but it's also a lesson that Peter has to teach Otto. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so it's also like kind of a plot mechanic in a way. And then you have the other thing, the other theme of this movie that comes up, which is Otto, uh, when they first meet Otto telling him that like, you know, uh, intelligence is a, is a privilege that you use for the, for the best of the, for the betterment of mankind or whatever the, whatever Mm -hmm. the actual quote is. (laughs) Um, and that's, that's the Spider-Man side of it, right? So it's like it's like you know you have you have Aunt May telling him that he has to sacrifice, he has to make some sacrifices, sacrifice the life that he always wanted because he has other responsibilities, and then you have Otto telling him, yeah, when you have this like great power, you have the responsibility to use it for the betterment of mankind. Um, mm-hmm. Like you you can't just not use it, like. That's crazy. Like you have to do something with your life when you when you have this thing. And he's talking about being like really intelligent. But like, you know, what he's really talking about is his Spider-Man powers. Yeah. 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 And so like, yeah, yeah. so they try a couple of things and they all link back to Otto and they all link back to Peter. But it's not quite as clean as what they do with the first movie. But what what is when right. you write a movie the way that they wrote this movie, of course, yeah, as, as yeah, as, as as you as you learned, listener, it was like right. a, a miracle that the movie. It's a miracle, and also Sam Raimi's just kinetic gifts as a filmmaker. Yeah, that all this stuff kind of washes over you, and only now, Scott, after like fifteen, tw- going on twenty years of this movie, am I just now like, oh yeah, I guess that doesn't, yeah, that those are kind of this doesn't right. really happen, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but speaking of Rosie. Um, something that I do think the the other movies of Webb and Watts improve on that is kind of a a, a blight, not a, a you know kind of a mark on these movies is having like giving giving Kristen Dunst and Mary Jane like almost nothing to do mm. and damseling her three movies in a row, yeah, and you know Penelope pit stop tied to the tracks, yeah. And I think like Gwen and Michelle are both yeah. like given more to do by necessity. Cause like that was something that these movies were like, even by Kristen Dunst was like, Oh my gosh, I have to, I'm just screaming in these. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I will say, I think each one gets incrementally better. I think, sure. I think she has the most to do and the best story arc in the third movie, which is probably controversial to say anything is the best in the third movie, <laughs> but like, I mean, it's true. You'll see. You'll see. You'll be like, oh, actually, Mary Jane fucking rocks in this movie. Um, yeah. Because it's, it's a good, good storyline for her. But, uh, yeah, I, I, could, I could see that with this one. I mean, I think that there's – she's dealing with some interesting stuff. And, and like, honestly, it's all worth it for her a- acting in the scene where she sees Peter as Spider-Man. And oh, yeah. you just see, at, like, at her whole life for the past two years makes mm-hmm. sense on her face simultaneously. Like it's, it's kind of an incredible acting moment in terms of yeah. like everything that's playing on her face at the same time. It's insane. Mm-hmm. It's insane. Oh, for sure. And yeah. yeah, no, no, it's great. And I think, yeah, you lose some of that 
she's so great at playing that larger than life romance of like almost silent movie acting of like, Oh my God, Peter, Spider-Man the same. Oh my God. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. that becomes very like on PC by the time we get to the tens. And right. it's like, well, no, like actually like the love interest has to be a, a girl boss science whiz actually. And like, yeah. Oh, Zendaya knew she was he was Spider-Man the whole time. She wasn't even surprised. It wasn't it um, wasn't no big Yeah. Deal. So so I mean we I think we talked about this when we talked about Amazing Spider-Man. Um, but uh I, you know, you you tell us, listener, when you get there. <laughs> um but like uh I don't know. It, the the Emma Stone thing, yeah, she is technically given more to do, but is any of it does any of it matter to the grand scheme of the plot? Or is it really just like literally just giving her busy work? Yeah, it feels like busy work. Yeah, like, yeah. I'll um, tap the things on the console, Peter. I'm doing stuff. Right. And I think that goes back to what you said earlier, which is that like Amazing Spider-Man, those two movies came out in an awkward spot where we hadn't quite figured out what the next thing is yet. And so they were like, ah, we can't do the thing we did before, but I don't know what else we're supposed to do. So I guess we'll just give her busy work and make her a girl boss. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's like, well, we can't just, Emma, we can't get Emma Stone to just, like, be, like, tied to a, a shed or whatever. Right. So it's like, well, how do we, but we don't act, but we don't want to do the work to, like, make her a thing, I mean, you know, do do whatever, whatever makes Michelle work in the in the Homecoming movies. Right. Because I think, right. I think she largely does work in all three of those. She, she does, but she's also largely in the backseat in Homecoming. True. Yeah, she's like a supporting character. She's fully. very much a supporting character, not even a love interest, like even mm-hmm. really at all. Um, no. And then uh, and then or just at all, not even really at all, just at all. She's not a love interest in that first one. <laughs> um, and then uh, and then and then, yeah, she definitely has like the like, who is Spider-Man like really thing in the second one. And then she's got lots to do in, in No Way Home. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so they, they definitely they those ones grow on Michelle and, and give her uh, some fun, poignant stuff to do. Um, but yeah, Gwen Stacy doesn't have anything poignant or, or anything to do in those movies. It's mostly just like, ah, you Peter Parker. Oh, you son of a if you weren't so cute, I'd deck you right in the face. You oh. jerk, you know, like it's a lot of that. <laughs> um, yeah. And, uh, and at least in this, you know, yes, she does definitely get damseled, but then, you know, she steps up. She picks up a stick. She tries to hit him, hit Doc yeah. Ock with it, you know? Like, she tries to get her action moment in for a second. Aunt, Aunt May sure gets a, gets a good lick in. Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah, she does. Yeah. Um, man. Um, one thing I noticed this go around uh, was, like, kind of the quiet, like, Chad energy projecting from Toby's Peter. Especially, mm. like puts the glasses i had never noticed like you know the the scene where he's walking and like the girls like on the street are like oh who's this guy and yeah it's like interesting like laying the seeds into going into three of like oh this guy is sort of growing into himself as an adult he's he's not right. the nerdy kid getting beat up by flash thompson anymore yeah totally totally um yeah even even when he uh you know is doing his his raindrops sequence you know like he he doesn't yeah. have the powers anymore but he's still like yeah he's wearing glasses again but he's like confident about it you know mm-hmm. much different than the last time and like ursula you know has a crush on him because i think that right. people can people can see the goodness in him and like the right people 
people that are open to it are like, oh, there's there's something about this kid that I like really trust, and yeah, I sense a goodness in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Betty, um, Betty Brant. Yeah, yeah. They they have their little Sea Biscuit reunion moment. Um, wow, she's in Sea Biscuit. Yeah, she is. I haven't seen Sea Biscuit. Have I told you my Sea Biscuit story? Uh, I don't know, but yeah, she's like I, the female lead in Sea Biscuit. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I was at a, I went to uh, this thing called Bic. It's not Juvie because you got to go home afterwards, but it was basically kind of like Juvie. Um, oh, you did tell me this, but please tell the story. Okay. Yes. And so it was like my first day and um, this kid, it was like a rough, you know, it was kind of place where like if one kid had to go to the bathroom, we all had to go and like wait in the hallway and put like our hands on the wall mm-hmm. and while well, one kid went and so. I'm like, oh god, I have to be here for like a week. This sucks. And this one kid was like sitting on his, uh, sitting on my desk. Like, yeah, I've been here a few times. It's pretty chill. We could be friends. Oh shit! And this girl runs in and like punches him in the face with all her strength. Oh my god! And it was like, you ain't shit. I know what you did. Like they think they were dating or something. And so the teachers like, oh no, no, no. They're they're getting riled up. So they rush all of us into the basement of this school. And this teacher's like, okay, so we all saw something pretty intense, and we're just going to calm down. We're, we're all going to watch Sea Biscuit. <laughs> it's a movie about second chances and underdogs. And I was like, I'm going to die here. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but I didn't. Uh, so you watched Sea Biscuit like, with one eye looking over your shoulder. <laughs> Is that going to happen every time? <laughs> one of these kids God. is gonna tackle me with a punch to my face <laughs> then what are we gonna do is there another basement yeah <laughs> um yeah yeah uh, what do you think of uh of the astronaut um i i think that it's ironic that you know john john jameson is is introduced in this movie as an astronaut and would have been the perfect way to introduce the symbiote in the third film uh but instead he's just not in that movie at all and just i like the most obvious way to bring the symbiote to earth but instead they're like no we'll just we'll just fling it like a a rock yeah yeah from space onto the ground and there you go. That's it. And I, I, I remember very vividly, I think you and Zach brought this up, is it's the first move that feels off because, you know, like we said, we've never left New York. Yeah. This world. And then all of a sudden space exists and there's a meteorite. Yeah. But if you had John Jameson, at least there's some kind of like, oh, yeah, him. he's from the last movie. Yeah, he's an astronaut. Oh, he caught something in space. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they did in the uh, in the uh, animated series, the the Fox animated series. That's right. Yeah, he brought it back from space with him. Found it on the moon. <laughs> I think I think the animated series is also why I've always wanted Felicia to be in these movies. Is yeah, she's such a a, a memorable character in the animated series. Yeah, yeah, because they never did Gwen Stacy in the animated series. That's true. Yeah, they did Felicia instead. She'd be really cool. Black Cat would be cool to show up in the Tom Holland movies because it would be to see that to see that Peter interact with like a sexy like Catwoman like femme fatale character that's like chaotic would be yeah. Interesting. And 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 as we talked about in the um uh or, or, yes, past Scott talked about in the in the behind the scenes thing, 
the the idea of using Black Cat as like I'm I Spider Man loves me and I love Spider Man. Mm-hmm. I don't. I have no interest in Peter Parker. I I, I just love Spider Man. You happen to be Spider Man, but like it's all about Spider Man for me. And having uh, Tom Holland's Peter dealing with that when all he is is Spider Man now. Yeah. While also like being like, oh, but what about I mi- I miss being Peter and like, you know, like that's interesting. I think that there's interesting stuff there, especially if Michelle comes back with no memory of who Peter Parker is. And he's dealing with like maybe trying like maybe trying not trying to like get her to fall in love with him again. But also there's this Felicia girl that would be really easy and then Michelle would be safe. But uh, oh yeah, yeah. like life, life, life keeps putting Michelle back in Peter's life. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. no, you're not supposed to go here. You're supposed to be out. I would love, I would love that struggle, that, that yeah. romantic struggle. And I would just love a, a major romantic subplot in a Spider-Man movie again. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's everyone's favorite part of the trilogy is like yeah. Zendaya and Tom Holland. That's true. Yeah. Like, I think Spider-Man is just a very romantic character. Yeah. I just, I hope they lean harder into the romance in the next ones. Yeah, like you know, there's that iconic cover of like Peter Parker daydreaming about all of the the women in his life, and yeah, like I mean, it's Tom Holland, you know, he's 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 a, he's a tight little charm machine. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> tight like a dime, tight like a dime. <laughs> you just know if you flick a if you flick a dime at Tom Holland, it'll bounce right back at you. Yeah, you better duck. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, they just—they don't make it like this anymore. They don't—they don't make them like this. Um, no, you know, I—I was—I was hoping because even yeah, like it was like every time, every time a, a, a superhero sequel comes out, I always hope it'll be like, is this gonna be like Spider-Man two? Like, are we gonna get something like that again? And it's always a disappointment, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, I it, think it never it never quite. I don't know. It, I don't. I, I don't know what was so perfect about this uh, uh, Spider-Man No More adaptation that they did with this. But it was <laughs> just like it was the it was the perfect choice because even like Captain America, which Winter Soldier is a phenomenal movie and a phenomenal adaptation, you know. But it doesn't feel like this because it doesn't feel like a continuation of the first movie. It feels like a, a reboot. Sure. No. Yeah. 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 Because tonally, it's just so different. So you know. Yeah. I'm thinking of like my favorite. You know, Guardians Three felt so cathartic yeah. at the end, and you're like, yeah. oh my god, I love these characters. I love James Gunn. Yeah. I love Marvel. Yeah. Um, Spider Verse was the first time, and I think I think Spider Verse was the last time I was like, I'm watching something new being born in front of me with all these people in the audience. Yes. yes. Yeah, that one across the Spider Verse, I feel like is going to feel like this. Oh man, yeah. As of Jeez us, Lord. as of us recording this, that hasn't come out yet. You'll hear our our reactions later in this mini series uh, to across. The, I mean, I guess at the very the tail end of this yeah. mini series because this <laughs> mini series ends with across the Spider Verse. Um, but I have a feeling that that is going to feel like this. That is going to feel. Like, 
you know, that franchises Spider-Man 2 or Scream 2 or it's going to have that larger than life. Like, oh, my God, it's all my favorite characters again. Like, they're all (laughs) going to have like epic introductions and it's going to be it's going to feel big. Um, I'm I'm so looking forward to that. But, you know, there could be a chance there's a there's a there's a chance that the reason nothing's ever felt like this again is because for better or for worse, you know, you are not that. 18 year old kid yeah working at a pizza hut in a and a pizza place at the same time and like yeah i i wonder if like i don't i don't know if i'll ever need a movie the way that i did back then you know that's true yeah that is true that is very true but i don't know you'll see i uh yeah it'll be interesting to like yeah if you talk to like an uh like a 16 year old kid mm-hmm. like is spider verse is it is this the new like christian bale michael keaton argument you know right 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 yeah that's true um anyway that's spider-man 2 uh it's a very good movie despite (laughs) all of our (laughs) if ands and buts in this conversation um it's a it's a phenomenal movie i mean because it's like look movies are mostly vibes anyway you know, and and when the vibes are good, man, it's it's like listening to like your favorite pop song, and that's what this feels like. It does, yeah, yeah, it, it yeah. Like I was just so yeah. The the it's the emotion because I don't know I don't know what I, I I've seen this movie. This is one of my favorite movies, and I couldn't tell you what Otto's plan is for memory. Right. Yeah. 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 Um. So next week, Spider-Man 3. I have not seen this movie in a long time. Spider-Man 3. I'm excited for you to revisit it. Um, And I'm excited to talk about it. I am a defender of Spider-Man 3. Uh, I'd like to put that on the record. We'll talk Mm -hmm. about it next week. Um, I think it does a lot of things wrong. And I think it does a lot of things really fucking right. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to talk about all of them. Talk to you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Keep swinging. Slip away. Let me slip away. Let me slip away. Let me slip against the current. Let me slip away. Let me slip away. Let me slip away. Let me slip away. Slow spinning redemption.